What's up, fine folks? Welcome to a very special episode 25 of Double Tapped. I'm Jay. I'm Tanner. That was so much more energetic out of nowhere than what I was expecting. This is a very special episode 25. It is. Uh, As such, we have a mildly special beverage. Definitely not one that I already had in my fridge. No, but it's one that we often already have in our respective fridges. True. It is Rheingeist Bubbles Rosé Ale. Uh, Technically a cider, however, inspired partially by a form of champagne, so therefore it is somewhat celebratory. You could say it's the champagne of beers. Well, maybe you could say it's the champagne of ciders. (laughs) I'll take it. But it's good. Yes. Uh, It's one that we enjoy on a regular basis, and I'll read you the blurb. Oh, please do. A bright, dry, and lithe rosé ale oh. with apple, peach, and cranberry for tartness and blush. Bubbles erupts with effervescence and evanescence. <laughs> the band? Bring you back to life, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can you name another evanescence song? No. Can I? Oh, surely I can. Can I? Oh, I'm very disappointed in myself. Is the, t- the uh, title of that album can't be Bring Me to Life, can it? <laughs> oh, uh... Wake me up inside. That's bring me to life. Damn it. <laughs> Why can't I name another Evanescence song? This is really going to bother me. I really like that album and then this next album, too. That's the album with her face. Yeah. It and it's like, like black and blue. blue. Yeah. yeah. I'm My mom's going to be very disappointed in me yeah. for not knowing an Evanescence song. Sorry. Well, Titles are hard. Will she be disappointed in whatever you've been playing this week? Good segue. Uh... <laughs> So I have been playing some new stuff. Okay. As per usual, have been playing your NBA 2Ks and also your uh, your Tony Hawks. Uh-huh. Uh, I've also completely dipped the toe back in and then back out of Wreckfest because uh-huh. I finished it. I finished Wreckfest campaign. Uh, it's the first racing game I've completed since I have no idea when. <laughs> uh, PlayStation 2 era, maybe? Not normally a racing game guy, but it's just fun. It's a good turn your brain off type game. Uh, I've tried two new games this week. One being Call of Duty Vanguard, mm-hmm. which you knew about because you've also purchased it but haven't had a chance to play it yet. Correct. So I'm going to save most of that. We'll probably do a topic I, about... I might be prepared to review it next week. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Maybe that's two weeks from now, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do... Definitely have some impressions. We'll do a deeper dive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right now, it's Call of Duty. It's really, really fun. I've only played maybe like an hour or two of multiplayer, so I, have, I don't even have enough. I bought it literally yesterday at uh, time of recording, so... Don't have enough experience in it yet to really say one way or the other. It is fun, though. I am enjoying it more than I enjoyed the Cold War beta, Mm. which is a good sign. Uh, But other than that, don't really have any impressions. A game I do have an impression on, uh, or impression of, or for. Don't know what the right preposition there. Uh, Ghost Runner. I saw you said you were starting to play this. Yeah, so this is the uh, game. It came out this year, but it was like February, Marchish. I want to say. I had talked about it on a prior episode briefly. Oh, right. I played like a couple hours of it. Gotcha. I'm curious to see what you think. Probably as far in as I got, maybe three hours or so. Uh, Doesn't seem like it's a super duper long game. It's very Hotline Miami-ish. It has that sort of die, restart, go again, die, restart. If you don't know what Ghost Runner is, it is a first person, which is interesting. Uh, it's a first-person action game. Uh, you're playing as this character that I think is only known as the Ghost Runner. Uh, and you're just trying to work your way through all of these areas with enemies and, you know, standard action game stuff. Could not tell you what the story has been. There was, like, a whole five-minute thing of exposition. Didn't really Climbing pay attention. that tower thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, okay, there's a bad guy, there's a good guy. One of you's probably going to turn heel at some point. It's fine, whatever. Um, the game, The gameplay, hard to get a grasp on, I yeah. think. It's a little clunky at times. There are times where... 
because it's one of those games where it's super frenetic. Like you are going at a hundred miles an hour. It's like Doom almost. Doom's whole thing about like you're actually playing worse if you stop moving. That's kind of this game's idea too. Is where like you're always moving. You're grappling stuff. You're bouncing off walls. You're wall running. Uh, it's also one shot, one kill. So it makes the deaths really fast and you're resetting. It can be sort of frustrating at the beginning. And I think that was my main takeaway for a little while until the gameplay finally clicked with me. It's fun. I will say there is a section. So the game kind of goes back and forth between the normal gameplay and like this cyber world or Simulation something. Simulation sort yeah. of thing. And it looks very like glitchy and techy. Uh, makes me motion sick, legitimately. That's, I can see that. That's one of the... I, I've talked about this before, I think, on the podcast, but Borderlands is the series that has always made me motion sick. Something about the cell shading. I've tried depth of view changes. I've tried mods. Just cannot play it for whatever reason. Just really makes me want to throw up. Uh, similar thing for this. It's like... it's it, it, it. There have been a few games. I think Fallout DLC, Fallout 4 DLC did this as well, where it's like, as you move, the pixels change, and so it's just like everything looks kind of translucent yeah. and weird and uh do not like those sections at all but the combat's fun i wouldn't go as far to say it's it hits the the quite like the hotline miami mark because i don't think the combat is as easy to grasp it also the accuracy of the enemies is is ridiculous like someone in chat joked that they have aimbot it kind of feels that way like you make one false move or even not one false move you just move and you're in their sight and boom you're dead yeah and that's part of the reason why it's like you have to keep moving yes because if you stand in one place their shot is going to hit you like it's it's yeah, simple yeah there's as no that. misses no um go ahead sorry no that was pretty much the end of it. and cuz my thoughts are pretty simple as i hit one snag in that game that was incredibly frustrating or okay. one little corridor of enemies that took me like 20 minutes to beat that yeah. really pissed me off and yeah. i then got to that first tower simulation thing and then tossed it like i was done with it that's fair yeah I, i'm not sure i think i'll go back to it because there was something about the the satisfaction of clearing the enemies that was really nice that i enjoyed the soundtrack's cool um it is a lot though it's it's one of those games it kind of reminds me of uh cyanard of wild hearts mm. in a very strange way which is that it can be overstimulating. Sure. I've, that was my main critique of that game is that there's just literally too much going on. Like my eyes are getting tired. This is literally tiring me out playing this game. Kind of a similar thing with this where there's just music's loud and you're moving at 100 miles an hour and you have to account for every little enemy and you can't even see the enemy sometimes. And then you have to account for, okay, I have to go here, here. I think this is one of those games where the first few levels are a really cool proof of concept and I'm worried that the level and the way you have to run through the level is going to get so complex that I'm going to not want to play it anymore. Yeah, because the mechanics are, at least early in the game, oddly limited. Yes. Like, you pretty much run, block, and swipe your sword. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. Um, Yeah, I really like the conceptual idea of this sort of mirror's edge with a sword. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. Running through this corridor, swipe enemies, dodge bullets, move on to the next checkpoint. Yeah. I really like the idea, but something about the execution, the, yeah, frustratingly accurate gunshots in a (laughs) one-shot kill format. It's bothersome sometimes. Um, So I'm curious where I'll see, I'll go with it. I don't see myself finishing it. It just feels like that game's going to get too hard. Yeah. And too, like whenever... Those games work best, and this is a critique I've had of Hotline Miami 2, which we talked about last week. Uh, once that formula gets too large, like the levels get too large, it becomes really frustrating. Because uh-huh. there will be points, you know, Hotline Miami 1 is so brilliant, in my opinion, because the levels are so short and they're so, like, truncated. Mm-hmm. This game is already starting to enlarge the scope to a spot where it's like, 
I just did five minutes of one run, and now I have to do it 15 more times. Yeah. It's like, okay, I may step away if it gets too much larger. Yeah. Well, I've, once again, not played much. I played a few runs of, like, Slay the Spire. Shout out. Uh, I almost picked it back up this week. I'm still, you know, every once in a while, I'm diving back in to see if I can get a fluky win with uh, the defect. Because <laughs> if I can ever win a run with the defect, yeah. the second that happens, I'm all the way back in going for the platinum. Right. But until such time, because that's proving to be very difficult, yeah. it's just an in and out, random pick it up, give it a shot kind of thing. And then, yes, I've purchased Call of Duty. We'll be playing it. I've heard the campaign is short. Okay. So I could potentially beat the campaign this week, and then I will obviously be diving in and checking out the multiplayer. Sure. I'm also curious to try zombies again at some point. Mm. Uh, yeah, as me well too. as the new Warzone map, which uh, isn't out yet. Right. Uh, I think it's like a month delayed after launch or something. Yeah. But I'm curious to try all aspects of this game. Yeah. Uh, and heard at least relatively good things as it pertains to the rest of the Call of Duty series. Yeah, so it's far. been it's so been super fun. I'm just me optimistic. I'm just gonna adjust your mic just a little bit. Adjust me. Sorry if this makes a sound. Father. <laughs> Turn up for that. I think we're good. I just want it more toward your mouth. <laughs> On to the news. Yeah. Uh, I've got a few stories here. One drastically larger than the others. Okay. And one of my most anticipated stories in a while. Mm. On, I think it was Thursday. doesn't really matter what day it was. <laughs> we got a 15-minute gameplay preview of Elden Ring. Uh, the way I described it here, because you have not watched it yet. No, I haven't. We'll probably watch it after this, because I'll be curious Should to see your thoughts. Should I just pull it up and scrub through as you're talking? If you'd like. But I can tell you with, I think, pretty succinctness exactly what you should expect. Okay. It is Dark Souls to the core. All right. With open world, dungeon crawler, and non-linear action elements. That's mm. how I described it. Um, it is very... Like when people were saying it is Breath of the Wild meets Dark Souls, yeah, this trailer and this you know gameplay sequence made it as clear as day that that's what it's going to be. That excites me. Um, given the sort of, they're saying, oh, you have this whole open world, tackle it at your leisure. There are dungeons sprawled across that you just come across and find oh. that hide bosses. There are bosses like Tanner's watching currently the portion where a dragon just swoops down on you seemingly out of nowhere in the yeah. open world that you fight. There's another boss that you encounter in the middle of just a forest. It's not a boss arena. This is what I found interesting. Is it seems like there are actual bosses that will just sort of come up and surprise you in mm. unconventional places. Okay. Along with sort of dungeons that have bosses at their core in typical gotcha. Dark Souls boss arena style. So it's a little it's like a mix of to make a Breath of the Wild comparison for people who haven't played the Souls games. Sounds a little bit like the Lynels. Uh, yeah. versus the like actual dungeon yeah. type stuff. It's that kind of vibe. Cool. And when they showed a brief snippet of you were going into one of a, what I think they called large scale dungeons. You have small sort of catacombs like dungeons that okay. they showed. And then you have the big, you know, my guess is there'll probably be X number of big dungeons scattered that you have to complete in order right. to like reach the end game or something yeah. to that effect. One was called Stormvale Castle. Okay. That looked rad as hell cool um and they stressed there are multiple ways you can tackle and infiltrate these dungeons mm. uh they're like hmm. you can go through the front gate but there's you know a lot of enemies or you can sneak through there's a jump mechanic love to see Yay, that that's exciting uh and then yeah they were like oh you're coming across this roof look over there's this open window you could go that way you could oh, okay. do all these different things to reach huh. the boss that lies within i'm incredibly excited uh 
I'm penciling this in as my early game of the year, 2022. <laughs> it's already uh, it's already won. But, or at least, it, I mean, but the funny thing is for everyone else, it'll fight to be game of the month, as we discussed sure, uh, previously. Yeah. But I could not be more amped. Looks great. We also said that uh, we were talking about this earlier. It's been announced that there will be a 4K mode and a 60 frames performance mode. And ray tracing. I'm always going to opt for the 60 frames in that case. Mm, uh, yeah, me too. But do you people out there, but amped for Elden Ring. Yeah, no, that's super exciting. From the little bit that I just watched, uh, I... I'm in. I, I'm in for more soul stuff. I'm in for like a shakeup of the convention uh, a little bit with all the open world elements. I'm really intrigued with like the play how you want side of yeah. it. There's all. Oh, and in addition to that, there's also stealth, uh, oh, which okay. they showed. Uh, you can sort of crouch and walk through a forest, and they were like avoiding these large enemies. Sekiro style. Yeah, more stuff. so. Okay, gotcha. Yes. The Go pacing of the combat is clearly Dark Souls. Okay. And even some of the animations are literally animations from Dark Souls. Okay. But. They have incorporated, yeah, a little more of the stealth, you know, jumping, crouching from like Sekiro. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it looked as Dark Souls as Dark Souls gets. I'm so down and so sold on Dark Souls, the open world game. I'm in. Yeah. I don't need much more convincing. And I'm excited that people are excited. I'm excited that it's a little something different. Uh, and I'm just curious how many times I'll die. Yeah. And I pretty much needed this as to uh, to show me the game works, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, you know, just... I think understandably skeptical given, you know, the newfound ambition of a game of this style, but made such more sure large. Yeah. Uh, but it looks fine. It looks great. Uh, can't wait. Next story. Tanner might have nothing to say about, but okay. EA has regrettably delayed uh, PGA <laughs> Tour 2022 beyond spring 2022, and that's all they said. Okay, so it's further out than they can even put it. It was date originally on. slated for spring, and now it just says beyond spring 2022. <laughs> I uh, mean, not a surprise, really. I didn't even know that it had this date attached. No, I didn't really either. It seems because this is their first. PGA game in a while. In a while. Right? Since Rory McElroy. Oh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while for them. They're going to have to relearn the ropes in a similar way to like 2K22 or whatever it's going to end up being. It's not coming out until spring next year yeah. when normally it'd be out like now. Uh, it seems like maybe, uh, honestly, this is, we always say that delays are good for the game at the end of the day. This is probably really good for the game because you don't want a half assed return to form. That's probably no. why they delayed it. Because, um, you know, if it were Madden, they'd probably just put it out because that's what they do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're showing a little bit of caution with this. And, you know, we'll see when we get there. And in a delay story that you have might have more to say about. Okay. Uh, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have also been delayed indefinitely. Yeah. What is going on with <laughs> Overwatch 2? It is one of the most baffling stories. One of the most baffling games, I think, out there. Because if you ask most, or at least... In the bubble that I'm in, the streamer bubble that of friends and stuff that I have, most people are like, this game is pointless. Like, why sure. Why are we getting Overwatch 2? We don't really need it. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Pikachu Lita, I think, she tweeted, like, they can just keep them at this point. Like, we, <laughs> we don't need them. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, which Overwatch 2, from most people's uh, perspective, we've talked about this on the podcast as well, feels like a bit of a money grab. Um, you know, feels like, oh, hey, you know, we know you like Overwatch, even though that multiplayer is fine. We're going to put it out again. So you have to pay us 60 bucks again, um, which, you know, what, whatever. But I'm curious as to the indefinite part of it. Yes. Did something I mean, something did happen at Blizzard. Did that affect anything? Did all of the, 
you know, I'm assuming there was reshuffling of corporate structure. There's probably still ongoing lawsuits. If I'm sure people left. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah. I'm sure people. Yeah. In protest, of course. Um, so if you don't know about that, we've covered that in the podcast as well. But basically, a quick summary is that Blizzard was a frat boy culture. Yeah, incredibly toxic. Uh, yeah. Especially toward women. And, you know, with all of and then they possibly shredded evidence and like there's there's a lot of bad stuff going on at Blizzard. So I don't know if that has muddied the waters for them where it's like, you know what, we, we can't even release a game. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what the reception of these two games are, because uh, I personally my view of Blizzard has been tainted so much because of this and really because of Overwatch being so clearly a you know money grab type situation or overwatch 2 i should say sorry with overwatch 2 being announced and not really bringing anything new to the table they they almost seem colder uh than activision itself to me at this point sure uh because i well i'm not as invested in their products i should say but i'm i'm curious to watch it from an outsider's perspective obviously the people who are excited for it it always sucks when a game gets delayed but Hopefully this maybe will give people time to reevaluate their fandom in Blizzard anyway, given all of the stuff that's happened there in the last year. Yeah. And then the final story that I've got for you today. In a very oddly low-key announcement, Spider-Man is coming to (laughs) Marvel's Avengers on November 30th. Do you know how this was announced? No. It was announced as one of the, like, pop-up announcements when you log into the game. Oh, really? It was like wow. the events happening this month. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was like, here's you know X Dungeon and Y event. And it's like, oh, Spider-Man is coming November 30th. Which, to give people context, the last person that they added, Black Panther, right? Yep. Was like an E3 announcement. Yeah, it like was it around was at that time. some conference. Yeah. Um, so this is more your wheelhouse. What do you feel about this? I feel Because <laughs> you've, you've played Avengers for yeah, people's... I mean, having not seen any gameplay as to what Spider-Man would even play like... It makes me wonder, you know, A, will it even, you know, play well? Mm. B, will it have any sort of associated story elements? And I believe they said that it would have, like, a small sort of single player, like, a few missions to, like, get you up to speed with what it is like to be Spider-Man. And my ultimate question is, and I assume that the answer is no, is does this have anything to do with, other Spider-Man video game properties right. at this point. I was going to ask you the same thing. Is this related to Insom? And yeah. I assume not. I presume not as well. But I feel I'm going to be compelled to at least jump back in and try it. Is it paid or is it free? I assume it's free. I've heard nothing to the contrary. Okay. The only wrinkle is that it's PlayStation exclusive, as has been touted right. in the past. Right. Which, you know, that's a whole other can of worms we could get into. <laughs> but I have a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's where you play the game. That is where I... That is... Uh, what is Damn it, what's their slogan? Best place to play. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, I'm moderately interested. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the closest they'll get to pulling me in. I don't know if I play it, because I think it's on PlayStation Now, or it was maybe at one point. I think it still is. Um, I think it's one of those limited run through whatever date. So, now would be the time for me to pick it up, I guess, if Spider-Man's in. Because I've talked about it at, at length, that like, or I think I've talked about it on the podcast, that Spider-Man's really one of the only Marvel characters that I've cared about my entire life. Yeah. It's, it's not like an MCU thing. It's I just love Spider-Man. Um, not to level you do, but I, I, it's, he's my second favorite superhero, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Who's your first? Batman. Okay. So it's just flip-flopped for me. Yeah, gotcha. So, like, this... I, I love Spider-Man stories. I would be interested to see... I guess the real, the real selling point for me would be, like, his interactions with characters like Kamala Khan sure. and, like, characters you don't normally see him interacting with. Um... 
that being said, I don't know if it's enough to fully pull me in. We'll yeah. see. And as I've said, single player of Avengers, surprisingly fun mm. and good. But that's not what this game was meant to be. Right. And all the auxiliary stuff that I've barely ever touched, I still don't foresee Spider-Man, my beloved Spider-Man, <laughs> being enough to drag me back into all that. Right. It's like a live service thing, right? Although, now that I'm thinking about it. That, they might be able to tempt me into going for a few new skins for mm. Spider-Man. I could see that happening. Yeah, that's fair. But with that being said, that is all of our news. See, I knew it was coming tonight. You did. Jay, it's been a few weeks. We haven't done this in a while. So I thought we would, if I can get the pictures, uh, we would do uh, crazy stuff I saw on Reset Era. We haven't done this in a while. So uh, going back to my favorite thread on Reset Era... Uh, what is your controversial gaming hot take? I love it. Uh, or whatever it's titled. Uh, Marcellus Wallace, just putting his full full government name <laughs> out on... say, we're coming for you, Marcellus. Out on, out on Reset Era. Uh, I assume he says, Returnal is one of the worst games I've ever played. Fuck you. I don't care about a newly update... I guess a new update that lets you save your game. That just happened like okay. a, week, a week ago. Uh, yeah, this is from October 27th, so pretty recent. About a newly updated save game. It fucking sucks. That is literally the only critique he lobbies. It's just Returnal is bad. You're wrong. So here's my... I wonder if people are just not buying into the difficulty thing. And then they're just like, this game's hard. Fuck this. Or I think it's part of it is if you've never played a roguelike, mm. the you know roadblocks of progress that you might sense is happening even when it's not really true yeah you said sorry you said roadblocks my brain heard roblox and i was like wait what go ahead sorry i vowed to never talk about roblox on this podcast <laughs> there's some fun little games in it i've tried it okay anyway you know returnal's great still my game of the year so far yeah i guess it is mine too i haven't really thought about that i'll have to examine a little bit more yeah. but I think it. yeah I think it is I don't foresee anything toppling it at this point unless Call of Duty really blows my hair back yeah good phrase uh, same day <laughs> this is from po- this post is from user Aya I believe A-Y-A Aya is music whore uh, I love the bloated Ubisoft games because it truly keeps me playing for years lol <laughs> I'm still playing through AC Odyssey, and I honestly love the game and how massive it is. I know people hate the repetitive and almost brain-dead design of the current AC games, but I absolutely love them and hope they continue making games this way from now on. Now, I, I will give a caveat. I'm glad that Aya loves something that they I love. Agree. I'm not going to shit on them loving these games. The phrasing of it's funny, though. I was just going to say, the phrasing of the first sentence sounds it makes it sound like, oh, when I play a video game, I'm legally obligated to finish it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Ubisoft games are so large that they occupy me for a long period of time and yeah. my like indentured servitude towards this game. Yeah, see, I love AC Odyssey too, but the rationale of like, I love that they give me things to do, and I get it, but when the things to do are just taking over the same camp a hundred times, yeah. it's like, okay, we have different takes on games. Uh, this is the one that made me laugh. I was looking through these as we were uh, waiting for our food at dinner. Baphomet, Friday, this Friday. Simple one sentence take. Battleborn was more enjoyable to play than Overwatch. <laughs> now here, here's my one sentence take. Yeah, I don't remember what Battleborn <laughs> plays like or I, what it even was. I tried the demo. It was the, it was like the Gearbox Overwatch. Wasn't it like a MOBA kinda? Kinda. So it was, it was a first person shooter, I think, <laughs> or like a first person action game, but. 
the catch was that it was set up more like a MOBA. So yeah. like the character selection stuff and like you had like lanes and stuff, but I think it was just a shooter. I played once and was like, yep, this is just worse Overwatch. Going to go back to Overwatch now. Bye. Also, it's like, oh, your game is titled Battleborn. Are your protagonists named Deacon St. John and uh, Aiden Pierce? <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, this post uh, is from Renteca Bond, assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, so this was a reply to a reply. Great. So the original post was something like, I don't like uh, FromSoft games should never have difficulty options. Okay. Uh, someone replied, or you could just not basically shaming anyone who isn't like hard enough to get through the Dark Souls games or whatever. Someone replied to them saying, or you could just not care about how other people want to play the game. Incredible thought, I know. They replied, I don't care. That's precisely my point. I don't care that Tlau 2, Spider Man, Psychonauts 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, etc., all have really great accessibility options. In fact, I think their inclusion is great considering the point isn't the same as the Soulsborne games. There's no in parentheses here, so I'm assuming that's where the parentheses supposed to end. I just also, I just also don't care that the aforementioned Souls boards don't have a lot of them in regards to difficulty accessibility options. Can't beat X boss because you're bad and and or don't want to engage with the game's mechanics. Fair enough. Have a nice day. Semicolon. It's not a slight on you as a human that you can't beat a boss. I'd be more than happy to help happy to help you out in co-op. I love doing so, but otherwise, all the tools you need are already there. Now, the thing about this one is I think they are just not realizing that some people just need accessibility options. Yeah. Like the the mindset, which this is a common mindset when you talk about should games have difficulty options, whatever, is, oh, well, no, anyone can beat them. And it's like, well, any person like you. Yeah. And it's like sometimes it's not a it's not a difficulty in terms of performance. It's a difficulty in terms of like accessibility ability to play period exactly yeah there's there is some hurdle with movement or with you know uh processing time or with something like that where people may need an extra second or may not be able to move you know or press two buttons at the same time or you know there's a variety of accessibility things but i just hate this logic of like oh you're not good enough to beat soulsborne you can't play him and i'm like i can understand the and understand you know is maybe even a strong way to say it yeah but I can see where people are coming from when they're like saying, "Oh, play the game that the the developer intended you to play. Like it's their piece of art. Sure, you shouldn't amend it." Yeah, it's a strange take to say. I don't care that other games. <laughs> That's the weird part. Uh, have all these options, but I also don't care that this one does not. I'm yeah, like, pick one. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, and my counter to the you know this is a piece of art played how developers intel- intended. Movies have subtitles. Yeah. That's the one thing is like movies have subtitles. That is the argument. They're still the same piece of art if more people can watch them. Yeah. Um, all right. Two quick ones here and then we'll get to our big okay. topic. Uh, from user Jamagek. <laughs> the 3D on the 3DS was a groundbreaking feature that Nintendo <laughs> should have doubled down on in their next system. No, they should not. No, have. agreed. Talk about all the things that gets Tanner motion sick. Maybe like the one thing in the history of video games. It could make me motion sick. Is that 3D? Is that 3DS screen? Imagine that on a Switch, and you have like the little dial, and it's like Super Mario Odyssey, and Ugh. it just looked weird. Like I understand, it was cool conceptually. I just don't think it worked in practice. It was more like you were looking into like a little diorama. Yes, like that was the well way said, the yeah. perspective looked. Yeah. All right, last one from Don Fluffles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm gonna. I agree. 
With whatever well, tone of fluff we'll see, we'll see actually. <laughs> Games should be re-reviewed based on not just updates, Warframe, TF2, but also based on mods and fan patches. For instance, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines wouldn't be anywhere nearly as regarded today without the fan patch, one that is included with downloads of the official game on GOG. The Elder Scrolls series are the perfect example, though. So they're saying because fans have modded in games or modded in mods to like Skyrim, they should be re-reviewed and rescored. I don't understand this logic. Should you rescore it when you have Thomas the Tank Engine flying <laughs> down in thing. Skyrim? Like, where do like, you draw the line? Not every mod makes the game "quote unquote" better. No, and I, I don't know Vampire the Masquerade, Masquerade Bloodlines. I'm assuming that's like a performance patch. Yeah, not. You know, someone adding more home design options in Skyrim, which is what most Steam Workshop or like, you know, new coats of paint, whatever. That's not what what <laughs> like, I don't feel like that's fair at all to anyone. It doesn't make much sense. I don't I don't get that. Line yeah, I think that is that seems like it's coming from a person who makes mods. <laughs> yeah, you like, know? I have made this game better. <laughs> like, Give it a better exactly. score. Well, and it's funny, too, because then I mean, I know that like Metacritic sorts games by their console. So like if a game comes out yeah. three places, it has a different score for all three. But that is basically saying, like, the PC version is better than the console version. And then you get this whole discrepancy of, like, you're catering toward one market. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, it's the answer. Don't do that. All right. That's all I got. Just, I, I love that thread. It just makes me very happy. Well, our big topic, as was teased the last two weeks. Yeah. This is episode 25. As such, we have gone back to the drawing board. Uh, we've talked about our top 10 games in you know the like distant past like yeah. and sort of referencing things before but for this episode we have each put together our at least at this moment in time yes that's a good that's a good point our top 25 games of all time each yes how do you want to okay so a couple things sure one as jay alluded to this is how i feel today this is a living list this couldn't change not drastically, but games could move up or down a couple spots. I spent a lot of this morning really going, is this game better than this game? Do I like this game more than this game, etc.? And you will hear me at times acknowledge some games that... I feel like some games are locked in where they are. Okay. Other games have potential to move up or down. Yeah, same for me. Totally same for me. Um, and some games, you know, I people may compare this to my Games of the Decade list, which I... You know, that was a good starting form for this. Uh, and some stuff has just moved as I've gotten further away from them. That's yeah. just the way it works. Uh, you said you also had honorable mentions. I do. And I want to say one more thing, which okay. is this is a neither completely subjective or objective list. I'm the same way. I have given some games a little more credit because I think they are objectively great yep. uh, versus some others that I just love personally. Yep, I'm the uh, same way. And I'll sort of explain my justification for each game briefly as we go through. So how do you want to do it? I'd say I we start respectively with our. I just give you all of my honorable mentions. Okay. You can give me a bunch of yours, and right. then we'll move into alternating okay. one by one. Oh, and one more note. Yeah. There will be some crossover. Sure. Do we so, just talk about it? Whoever says it first. No. I oh. propose that because the list is so long, it'll yeah. be confusing that we just go in order, and you talk about a game when it's your turn. I'll talk about it when it gets to my turn. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So. Or we could talk about it. Whoever gets to it second, if we want, if we want it to be more conversational, that's true. Actually. So we could just say like, you could just be like, oh, I have that in my list. Yeah. We'll get to so it. So instead of getting it, like, okay, fair enough. All right, your honorable mentions. So, and a few of these are gonna. 
I have to give justifications even for why some of these are not on my actual sure. list. If you're if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, do this yourself. We, we would love to see your top it's 25. Fun. No joke. It's very fun. Also, you will realize very quickly how few 25 is. It's not a lot of games. My first honorable mention, The Last of Us Part 2. Whoa! Here's why. Whoa! Here's why. I have not yet properly... <laughs> crystallized wow. my thoughts on this game. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it will move into my top 25. Holy shit. Okay. But I'm not ready to definitively place it somewhere. Wow. So I'm giving it an honorable mention. <laughs> okay. It's an amazing game. I understand your lo- your logic. But I also, it's like, I don't know. It's one of those games that is so objectively good and it is subjectively great. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously something where it's like, is my love for it ever going to be able to you know, live up to the first one? Mm. And we will talk about the first one. Sure. Uh, wow. Other I'm honorable stunned. mentions. <laughs> Fortnite. Okay. Uh, played a shit ton of Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, don't anymore. Reminds me to add one. Su- here's, maybe my, here's maybe the one that I was about to put in. Okay. Super Mario Odyssey. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Love Super Mario Odyssey. It is amazing. We will talk a little bit more about Mario, I assume, with both of our lists. Yeah, we will. Another one, though, Super Mario World, also okay. on my honorable mentions wow. list. All right. Uh, my, it's huh. my favorite 2D Mario. Yeah. But to say that my favorite 2D Mario did not make the list is, you know, saying something. Wow. This is interesting. Hollow Knight. Oh, that should go on also my honorable, on my mentions, honorable as well. mentions. That's a uh, game I just didn't mention. God love Hollow Knight. It's what so good. My favorite Metroidvania ever, probably. Uh, can't sing the praises of that game enough. Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. On my honorable <laughs> I was mentions. Like, what's about to be on this man's list? Uh, love Arkham Asylum. You know, started off one of the most influential series of games for my personal taste. Yeah. Ever. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One through Four. Okay. Couldn't decide. Love the original series. Uh, you'll hear more about a little bit. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Far Cry 3, my favorite of the Far Cry series. Good shout. Call of Duty World at War, mm. which was my introduction to Call of Duty as a series. Right. Uh, Love has one of the best single player missions, specifically one mission. Okay. Uh, and really solid multiplayer. Call of Duty Black Ops. Hey, shout out. I played uh, that one. When Call of Duty started to get weird. Mm. And they sort of not gotten as weird since but yeah. I, Black Ops 1 was really really amazing yeah I like how weird I got and then Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004 <laughs> through 2006 uh, one of my favorite like nostalgic uh, series of games alright that's all of wow. my honorable mentions I'm shocked by some of these okay uh, I have a few more honorable mentions as well or I have a few honorable mentions uh, to start on ones that you touched on already Hollow Knight great shout don't know why it didn't come to my mind but should definitely be on the honorable mentions uh, Tony Hawk's Underground I'm just going to put there, uh, spoiler alert, none of the Tony Hawk games cracked my top 25, okay. but again, deserve, uh, deserve a shout. So my other ones that I already had here, Minecraft, uh, a game that I think is super influential, a game that I loved. I don't feel as much of an emotional attachment to it as I do a lot of these other games that I'm sure. going to mention, um, but just a super fun time. Uh, Peggle 2. A game that I, I absolutely adore. I'm in. Peggle 2 is on my honorable mentions. Yeah. I should have uh, that up. I, I think it's better than the first Peggle. I think it's one of the best little arcade games ever. Uh, a game that I was frankly a little shocked and maybe on another day would make the list. Uh, Rocket League. 
I really I absolutely love this game, but I just don't. It's so one note. I think is the only yeah, thing is so like the one note's amazing, and it's still. I mean, you saw it when we came in. It was on my recently played. I'm on really PC. fascinating to see your list. <laughs> uh, but I, I love it. I, I I do really love it. Uh, the witness. Okay. Also, just barely didn't crack. Uh, is one of my favorite uh, puzzle games of all time, but uh, not enough to make the list. Uh, Hades. Oh, wow. Also didn't make the list. Nice. Uh, I was I was torn between a few super giant games, and so I just couldn't pick one. Uh, funny enough, a game that used to be in my top ten, Don't Starve, is now on the outside looking in. Uh, a game that I loved and lived the worlds of, and then very quickly, Guacamelee on the outside, just barely, and also Celeste, uh, just barely on the outside. But two wow. amazing games uh, with amazing gameplay, amazing soundtracks, and and some wonderful experiences. All right. So, I guess I'll kick it off. Yeah, go for it. My number 25, Assassin's Creed 2. Okay. Okay. I have, and it's the only Assassin's Creed game on my list. It's the only Assassin's Creed game that I'm going to give this level. It's like none of you, none of the other ones are on my honorable mentions. Mm. This is the one that I am the most purely nostalgic for. Okay. Uh, it was my introduction to the series. I did not play Assassin's Creed 1 before I played Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. And you don't really need to. This is Ezio at his most charming. Mm-hmm. The history of these games at its most interesting. You know, you get to bounce around between Florence and Venice and Rome. Uh, and I love Italy and Italian history, so it just spoke to me there. Yeah, The gameplay was actually fun. Uh, going back and playing the first one, I'm like, this might have been the best sequel ever, mm. and it's it's way up there, at least at the time. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, the jump from one to two is just drastic. Yeah, because I, I never played two because one didn't really do it for me. I've played two, like, six or seven times. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. I played it when it, like, look, when I first played it, I don't remember how long ago that was, probably played it again, played it on PS4, platinumed it on PS4. Wow. Like, I've played this game a lot. Uh, and it's the one Assassin's Creed that, for some reason, I'm oddly tempted to go back to from time to time hmm. and have gone back to it more than I've gone back to Brotherhood, Revelations, Black Flag, all the rest of the ones that I actually give a shit about. Right. So, Assassin's Creed 2 is my number 25. All right. Uh, I forgot one more and I was just checking that it wasn't on the list because it was it was in and then out and then in and then out. Uh, one more honorable mention that I forgot is Portal 2 uh, which is one of the greatest puzzle games I think of all time. But just at, at one point this list became favorites over best sure and i think that's kind of where it went out i think portal 2 is amazing and again i haven't replayed it if i were to go back to go back and replay it it might crack the list again yeah. it's been as high as like, yeah because super mario world is better than assassin's creed 2 i'll say that <laughs> sure but all right uh number 25 we are starting with maybe the most predictable game on this list uh my favorite sports game of all time nba street volume 2 all right yeah uh i think most people would agree it's the best of those games uh even though i have a very soft spot in my heart for volume 3 uh 2 is just where it's at and not only playing it as a kid playing it again in high school we had sort of the uh smash shout out to smash did not make my list but another smash brothers melee uh it's another one of those games where it's just like has lived forever. And uh, I really love that aspect of it. Number 24 for me. Yeah. Tony Hawk's underground two. Okay. I was between one and two. Uh, for two my is my mention. favorite of the whole series. Yeah. 
because that story mode is so stupid but fun. <laughs> With Bam Margera. Bam Margera and Tony doing the weird like competition between the two teams. Yeah. And, the dude with the braces and the hat in the wheelchair <laughs> bullying you. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Doing all this dumb shit, you know. The role reversal. Grinding off of cannons in Boston. Like, <laughs> the, again, Boston's the one map that, like, sticks with me from that yeah. game. Like, doing, like, a half-pipe transition onto the ship where the Boston Tea Party <laughs> happened. Like, yeah. such stupid shit. Getting, being able to get off your board and, like, when you get mad, there's like the anger the meter in that game. Meter, like, yeah. Uh, uh. yeah, it's so good. That game is just the Tony Hawk series, but like take a lot of the boundaries that the first games had away. Yeah. And you get this really stupid, hilarious, fun game. It's that game is itself at its campiest. Like absolutely. There's one mission, I think it's in Boston, where you have to like <laughs> you have to steer someone who's in like a gurney at one point, like from uh, yeah, the ambulance it, yes, to the hospital or something. It is. It's like, oh, it's so good. It's so stupid. I love it. I love both of those games. Um, number 24 for me, a game that I kind of went back and forth of like, do I love it enough to put it on my list? I think I do. Grand Theft Auto 5. Wow. Okay. Um, I think it is probably the best. Of the, if I take all my nostalgia away, I think it is the best Grand Theft Auto yeah. game. Um, I really loved the single player and I love the multiplayer for a time. I kind of like Minecraft, like you mentioned with Fortnite, like there are some games where I think I have to give credit to how many hours I spent in that game. Now, PUBG didn't make this list, um, but like, you know, it's, it's one of those time, it's a time period game Sure. where like at a certain point in my life, I was playing GTA five all, all the time. Were. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so, you know, respect. I am super excited for when GTA six Me comes too. out in 2030 um, and it'll be great, but yeah, credit where credit's due. I think that's the best GTA, and I, I like the Grand Theft Auto series a lot. Number 23, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Wow, okay. Now, we've talked a lot huh. about how we think that the better of the two between Spider-Man PS4 and Spider-Man Miles Morales is Spider-Man Miles Morales mm-hmm. because it is the more concise, yep. more streamlined Arguably a better, more personal story. Yeah, better told story. There's a lot of aspects where Miles Morales trumps the original. Yeah. That being said, you will hear more about Spider-Man PS4 oh, wow. here in a little bit. Okay, neither... Because I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Because for all intents and purposes, Spider-Man Miles Morales is Spider-Man PS4 reskinned with a different story. Mechanically, sure. it's yeah. identical. Yeah, yeah. So you'll hear more about that. But that being said the liberties that they took with the story with some of the legacy Marvel characters that they interpreted and, you know, did their own thing with Spider-Man Miles Morales is just about as perfectly paced a game Mm. as has come out in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, It's wonderful. Uh, Neither Spider-Man on my list, but I love both of those games a lot. I mean, again, you'll realize 25 is so few games uh, that some stuff just had to get cut. Number 23 for me, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Okay. Uh, of the games after right. another game that we'll get into later uh, that I went back and played, this was my favorite of the retro Zeldas. I know that Ocarina of Time has more cachet. I know your weird people love Majora's Mask. I'm weird, but Majora's Mask is, is one of those games I'd much rather play off stream. I yeah. need to give it another shot. Um, Ocarina was great, but for me, the game that really hooked me and kind of was like, holy shit, I need to play through all these Zelda games was Link to the Past. I, I love... I mean, obviously the graphics are quite different from because it's top down. It's, you know, 16 uh, bit, all that stuff. But the gameplay in it is so advanced for a game of that era to me. Um, like it just feels 
so much more modern than a lot of other stuff from the time period. So I love, excuse me, I love the way it ages. I love the color palette. I love the like mid game twist I think is really cool. Like it's just a wonderful game. Uh, and as, as far as pure gameplay goes, I think it's probably first or second in the Zelda series for me. It is just a beautifully designed game. Yeah. As someone who has, you know, as I've said before, barely had any interaction in his life with mm-hmm. the legend of Zelda as a series. Uh, there are a couple that at least have looked interesting. Yeah. And that's one of them. Although I will say, uh, the legend of Zelda breath of the wild, not on my list. Okay. It's so on mine. We'll I get, assumed we'll, it would we'll, be. we'll get there. Uh, all right. Number 22 for me. Yeah. Call of Duty. Okay. Four. Modern Warfare. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, this is... So I gave World at War my honorable mention. There are... We will hear a little bit more about Call of Duty on my list. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, but Call of Duty 4 is sort of my example of game that I'm going to give credit for creating the Call of Duty as I know it. Sure. You know, none of the Call of Duties that I have played and loved since the release of this game would have happened without this one. Fair. Totally fair. And as a standalone game, arguably this was better than, it was better than World at War. Arguably was better than a lot of subsequent Call of Duties. Mm. Uh, The multiplayer was rock solid, created modern Call of Duty multiplayer. The campaign was one of the best in the whole series, has the singular best campaign mission in any Call of Duty that I've ever played, and one of my favorite single-player missions in a game ever, period. Okay, wow. Um, Call of Duty 4 is the Iron Man of my <laughs> list. It started it all of one of my favorite game series ever. Totally fair. Uh, I do not have Call of Duty on my list anyway. Which is understandable. Yeah, not. I don't have the same attachment. Number 22. This is... I'm going to bet not on your list. Uh, Papers, Please. Definitely not. Uh, which is... Uh, Although it's a cool game and a cool concept. A wonderful indie game. If you don't know the idea of Papers, Please, uh, it is basically you are working as a border crossing agent, I guess, in sort of like World War II era Europe. Uh, you, you're in a com- or you're in a country called Arstatska. All the countries are fictional. Um, and basically, you have all of these... Uh, you are approving passports, basically. But, you know, that seems like a pretty simple thing. It's a dark game. Uh, there are This game will pull at your emotions and your brain because your family, your, your score in each level is how much money you take home. If you mess up or if you let someone pass when they're not supposed to, you don't take home a certain amount of money. And then, like, you still have to feed your family. You have to take care of your grandparents, whatever. Uh, and all of the characters that you meet are so unique and so expertly crafted where it's like okay this is this guy that i absolutely loathe and he's an asshole but you know what if i do all the puzzle mechanics which it's a puzzle game at heart he should be approved all right i'm gonna let him through whatever but then you have these people who are like you know uh minor minor spoilers for papers please but like a husband and wife come through the husband gets through no problem and he's talking about like yeah my wife's just behind me we're going on our honeymoon it's gonna be great and then you the wife gives you her passport and she doesn't meet the criteria. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, fuck, do I, do I ruin their honeymoon or ruin their moving or whatever or, and make the extra $5 or do I let them through and maybe we don't eat as much tonight? Like it's a very cool, uh, again, very dark, sort of dark humorish in a way. Uh, I, I love this game. I love everything that represents and it's a fun game to play on top of all that. So yeah. shout out to papers, please. Number 21, Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green. Okay. Uh, there is 
I want to say this is the only mobile game on my list. Uh, like mobile port- portable, portable game, yeah. Yeah, portable would be the better word. This is the only portable game console game on my list. Yeah. And purely for the fact that, you know, I love Pokemon as a series, and this is the best Pokemon game mm-hmm. ever, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, it's on my list as well. The Really? Mm-hmm. Should we wait? No, we can go ahead and do it. Oh, okay. I, I think it'll be fine. Okay. So, it was my favorite region, which is just Kanto, yeah. the OG, yeah. uh, being raised in the late 90s, early 2000s on the Pokemon TV show. Yeah. It's impossible not to have a connection to those early few generations, specifically Kanto. Uh, but the connections that it had that you were allowed to trade with Johto and Hoenn, so it sort of expanded the world for, like I think, the first time. I think those were the first games. I guess you could trade from Fire Red back to like Emerald and Ruby and Sapphire. Mm-hmm. But to have it be, you're exploring Kanto, but you're bringing in sure, you all know, these later generations. It's just, it's Pokemon at its purest. Yes. Uh, That's a good way to put it. I love it for that. That's totally agree. Uh, number 21 for me, Super Mario World. This is one that we, uh, that Jay said was on his honorable mentions. I agree. It is also my favorite 2D Mario. Yeah. Uh, and my second favorite Mario game of all time. Uh, we'll get to my first later, uh-huh. but... Uh, I I love this game. It's one of those games that anytime, like when Nintendo Switch Online came out, I played through Super Mario World, and like anytime I get back into emulators, that when that strikes me once every few years, I play through Super Mario World. Like it's just, it's one of the most solid games ever. Yeah. There have been tons and tons of words written about Super Mario World. I'm sure, so I'm not saying anything new there, but just an amazing game that is what was really the foundation for me of my love for Mario. Yeah, is one of the reasons that it made this list. Number twenty. And it's been mentioned already by okay. you, Minecraft. Yeah, fair. Uh, I was I was really between putting it on and not. I had a really, you know, love affair couple of years with Minecraft, as we all did. With a old friend of mine, Gage. Shout out. Who me and Gage played Minecraft to death. Yeah. Uh, I would come home from school like on like half the days of the week and would log on and would play Minecraft with Gage. For literally hours. Mm-hmm. So like 10 to 12 hours per week, like after school, I'd be playing Minecraft. And just not going to try to kill the Ender Dragon, not trying to do all of this, you know, bonus fun in-game stuff that's there. Right. But just starting new worlds, building cool houses, and exploring. Yeah. And it's surviving. Like that was the extent of our like we were we were kind of just LARPing through sure. the virtual Minecraft world, just me and him. And I've always said this, me and you mm-hmm. have about the best rapport for like something like this, like you could just talk to each other about certain things. Mm-hmm. Me and him had a rapport where we were just making each other like laugh our asses off <laughs> playing that game yeah. that was hard to replicate with any other gaming experience ever. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, me and him had two games, Minecraft and Halo Reach. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Shout out. We just had this dumb banter like the whole time that was yeah. really fun. So I have a lot of nostalgic connection and one of these days I'll probably just you know dive back in and it always makes me feel that same way of taking me back to those like snow days and stuff where mm. I'm just hunkering down playing Minecraft incredibly nostalgic for that game so. yeah it's great I think at one point you all invited me to your world and I hung out for like a little bit yeah and there was so much shit that was like inside <laughs> jokes that I was like alright this is fun I guess I don't know uh, my number 20 Another game for me that is very nostalgic, Halo 3. Okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite shooters of all time. 
Uh, I I've actually heard good things about the Halo uh, Alpha, by the way, that that was out. Oh, the, yeah. the new Halo. Anyway, um, Halo Three to me is like the pinnacle of my sort of snow day game. This was in middle school. I was like 13, 14, whatever, or no, I was probably younger than that, twelve, thirteen. Um, and me and my buddy Hayden and like so many friends of mine, we would just play this game to death. Uh, I, you know, was super into like forge maps and just every little bit of this game I ate up with a spoon. I, I don't think it's, you know, a lot of people refer to it as the best Halo between that and two. Those are the ones you always hear. Yeah. Um, I love the single player. I've played through it a few times. Definitely more nostalgic just for the multiplayer and the maps and the forge and all that kind of stuff. Like uh oddball and shit like that just weird game modes that was the game to me that really opened up like oh there are so many games within this game like i could go play the single player i could go play regular multiplayer deathmatch i can do uh you know just swords and sledgehammers like you can do all this kind of stuff and uh i i think it's a really special game i I have so much nostalgia tied to it uh and even going back and playing like master chief collection all those maps are just buried in my brain like i could draw out the entirety of the pit right now um and so you know those kind of experiences are special yeah as a shooter lover like i really respect and enjoy halo on the few times that i get to play it Mm. uh really dug reach really dug four yeah four Um, is good i like i like reach and four and dabbled in three like before reach came out but yeah you know no halo appearances on my list but all respect to halo as a series sure number 19 batman arkham city wow okay so I feel like you said that because you expect this to be higher on my list. Yeah, it's a little higher for me. I'll just um, go ahead and tell you. I've and I've talked about this that something about there's a little bit of a disconnect between me and the Arkham series now, mm. where I think a lot of games have just supplanted that series. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's rock solid, but I've had my specific complaints about the series uh, over time. That's fair. But Batman Arkham City was by far the pinnacle of the series. Uh, had all the combat, you know, in the, you know, counter, you know, hand-to-hand fun that you liked. Mm-hmm. Was the nice Predator combat, you know, no Batmobile. you love <laughs> to see it. Thank goodness. Uh, and going from the, in mild spoilers for the series, going from the venomized Joker from the end of Arkham Asylum. <laughs> forgot about that. To the very, you know, personal and more intimate story between Batman and Joker in Arkham City. Yeah. Was such a breath of fresh air. And somehow, some way, Clayface was a good final boss. It was, you know, it works. Uh, but Batman: Arkham City, just a rock solid, rock steady. Some might say, hey. uh, open world action superhero game, arguably set the tone for what that genre is and continues to be, and probably will be the standard for it for many years to come. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, number 19 for me, a game that you might expect to be higher, and I kind of did as well, but just ended up getting knocked down a few. Uh, Civilization Five. Uh, I know it's like your most played game ever. Yeah, this is yeah probably the game I have the most hours in, uh, according to Steam anyway. Uh, a game I absolutely adore. I grew up on the Civilization series. One of my first PC game PC game memories was uh, helping my dad build like his his uh, like Roman Colosseum thing in like Civ Two or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, I've always loved history and love of just that game series is so special to me. I don't really play any other like uh, strategy games or any sort of uh, turn-based games, but for whatever reason, that series has always clicked with me. And still to this day, I mean, now it's Civ Six, but I will fire up a random Civ game and complete it 
on a week, maybe once a year. Yeah. Uh, and to me, Civ Five is the pinnacle. I like I like Civ Six a lot. I like it more now than when it first came in, out. But I think Civ Five is the best from the standpoint of like there are a lot of options, but not too many. Uh, Civ Five looks a little bit more realistic. With Civ Six, they went more stylized, like almost animated looking. Yeah. I prefer the Civ Five uh, art style. And yeah, I just I adore that game. Here's a game that used to be higher. Okay. Uh, and I'll get to why it's lower now a little later. Red Dead Redemption. Mm. One. I adore this game to the ends of the earth. I love Red Dead Redemption. To me, Red Dead Redemption beats Call of Duty, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Like yeah. it's that kind of game. I yeah. love the Western setting. I love the just character interactions and the i love john marston as a character mm. and the ride and again i'll talk more you know later <laughs> yeah uh but just this game was my first rock city game that i really really loved mm. uh and it's one of those games where it has a moment that sort of makes it transcend you know into like a next stratosphere sure. of games and yeah. it's, in this game it's the moment where you realize that the map is twice as big as you thought it yeah, was and you go to Mexico an amazing moment uh, and the story just goes you know gets expansive from there and this is also one of those games where you know just to add a little sort of sprinkling of spice on top of mm-hmm. my thoughts of this game uh, this game came out in 2010 I believe sounds about or right 2009 or 2010 yeah uh, so I was 14 okay this game is pretty lewd at times. Yeah. So this is one of those games where I was like, oh, I'm playing an adult game. Now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I was a young teenager, so it's not like it was that far-fetched for me to play, be playing a game that was like M-rated with a lot of crudeness and sex and drugs sure. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I was like, I felt a little taboo playing this game. <laughs> right. But had a shit ton of fun the whole time. And the story is just so damn good, but only got better. Yes. So... We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk that about later, that. I'm sure. Uh, number 18 for me is this is where I have Pokemon Fire Red. Uh, similar to everything you've said about it already, I won't spend too much time on it. I think this is the quintessential like road trip game for me. Yeah. Like anytime oh. my family was going anywhere vacation. You could so much. You could play. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect for that. It is. Uh, it's the perfect on the go game. Uh, I never quite reached the heights with Pokemon that I did with this game and still if I were to sit down and pick up a Pokemon game right now even though I own Sword and Shield I would definitely just pick up Fire Red instead um, so I I just love yeah everything you said being so attached to the cartoon as a kid this was maybe the first and one of the best instances of feeling like you were in the cartoon absolutely, uh, or in the property of any game I've ever played so absolutely love it number 17 yeah Guitar Hero 3. Oh, nice. Legends of Rock. Shout out. Uh, I could not not put this game on my list. <laughs> yeah. My favorite rhythm game ever. Uh, again, one of my most nostalgic games. Uh, I remember, and I'll, I'll say some weird, how just how tied I am to this game. Uh, my good friend John Tracy. Shout who, out. Uh, I used to go to his house very regularly, uh, introduced me to these games, and this was the specific one. I remember the specific Glade air freshener that was in his room (laughs) when we were playing this game. Not because I can tell you the name of it, but if I smell it, it makes me think of this game. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. And I just took it and ran with it. Like me and him played it a lot together. And I don't know if I ever got to the level of, you know, good, like, 
playing on expert or, mm. you know, that I don't think I ever reached that high of highs maybe with him. I maybe have just been starting to play expert yeah. uh, with the amount that me and him played together. And then he sort of, you know, didn't play it as much after that. But then at that point I took it and ran with it and sure. played it constantly, got my own copy. I had it on the Wii. Uh, which Hell is yeah. oddly enough, uh, I do have it for the PS3, mm. uh, but I bought that later for whatever reason. And I, the one I played was the Wii, and I had the white Gibson controller. Yeah. And I love guitars. I play guitar a little bit. Uh, and that controller is so nostalgic. I think it's the perfect rhythm game controller. No rock band or any other controller has touched it since. <laughs> and just all the, the music choices in that game, I love almost every song in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, has the new guitar battle against Tom Morello, who's like one of my favorite guitarists ever. We love yep. Rage. Yeah. Uh, Bulls on Parade, arguably my favorite song of all time. Yeah. I could sing the praises of that track list and that, you know, gameplay forever. But to me, that is the best guitar playing video game ever made. That's totally fair. And yeah, I, I didn't, if I were to pick one, it's probably between two and three yeah. and then maybe rock band just cause I love the drums and rock band so much. But yeah, I, I love all those games and, you're absolutely right. Like they, I think three is probably the best simply because they do ramp it up. Like yeah. the battles against everybody and like all the added mechanics and the library was probably the largest it had been at that point. Like I, I, I have such a soft spot for all those games. Um, my number 17, right? Yep. Uh, this is where I have Arkham city. So okay. we were around the same spot on these. Um, I really love this game. I kind of came to it a little bit late, uh, I didn't play it initially when it came out. I played it probably a couple years later. I played Asylum and City both. This was before the remaster, but uh, I just was one of those games I'd always heard a lot about. Uh, and obviously loving Batman, I'd just never gotten around to it for whatever reason. Never tried it. And this game is so good. Like the, again, we've talked about it already, but like the combat and the stealth both work so well. I'm not a huge, I'm, I like stealth more now than I did when I played Arkham City, for sure. Because uh, as a kid, I'm just like, I don't want to hide. I just want to go beat yeah. everybody up. See, oh, I always loved it. Yeah, so it took me a while to really get into stealth. But even in that game, I'm like, all right, I'm sneaky Batman. Like, it's so easy to put yourself in the shoes yeah. of Bruce Wayne in that game. Uh, and I love one one specific thing that I think gets called out a lot, but is still something that I absolutely adore is the freeze fight. I think that's oh, one of the yeah. coolest boss fights in games ever. It's awesome. Uh, if you don't know about it, just a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. But um, in in Arkham City, when you fight Freeze, you uh, you have to take him down in a number of ways. And, you know, you have gadgets, you have regular combat, you have stealth, all that kind of stuff. But you have to take him down like three or four times, whatever it is. But each time you take him down, he basically remembers... And then you can't use that way again. Yeah. So it really forces you to be creative, to think on your feet. And that realization of, oh, my God, it's not that he stops this particular thing. It's that he remembers what I do was so cool. And I was like, wait, the game remembers what I do. That's so cool. Um, so, yeah, that that is one of my favorite boss fights ever. And just a game I love. Number 16. And here is where. You know, my true love for the Mario series kicks in. Okay. Uh, and this is the only Mario game on my actual list. It's okay. number 16. Super Mario 64. Right. Okay. Uh, if I had to crystallize my early gaming experience down to just a handful of games, mm-hmm. 
maybe the one that meant the most to me and was the most formative for learning how video games worked, period, yeah. was Super Mario 64. Fair. Uh, I would go to my cousin's house who had an N64 and would just randomly bounce around like some of the levels, yeah. uh, not grasping that, oh, I'm supposed to collect all these stars to beat this game. No, sure. it was, oh, I can jump through this painting and then hop around <laughs> yeah. this little world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have since played uh, Super Mario 64 again like on DS and then later, I think on... One of the it's been re-released like so many times. Yeah, I've played Super Mario sixty four probably four or five times. Sure, uh, and it's just unceasingly a great, creative, innovative platformer mm. that was just so fun and so Mario. Like yeah. to me, that is Mario. Uh, mm. you're going in Peach's castle. You're building up to fight. Just It's just Bowser. There's no like right. gimmickiness. That's Mario at its purest in 3D form uh, with a castle that is just so riddled with hidden stuff. Yeah. And that was another thing was the exploration and finding things that you would have never expected to find, especially as a young kid. Right. Uh, the sense of wonder in that game was about as you know high as any other. So I love Super Mario 64. I will say... Not on my list. Really? Uh, I love 64 to death. I I share a lot of the nostalgia you do for it. I think going back has made me like it a little less, um, simply because I think other games age better. Yeah, But, sure. I mean, I still love 64. It should have been on my honorable mentions, but I didn't want to spoil. Um, in the same way that, like, it's really impressive with those in 64 games, specifically with Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time, the way they were able to translate the feeling of Zelda and Mario to 3D so effortlessly. I think that's something that gets overlooked. Yeah. Because, you know, we just kind of go back and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, that was the next step, obviously. When you really examine it, it's like, how do you make something that was 2D feel the same or feel connected when it goes 3D? Like, that's incredible. Um, and so those are both just incredible feats of, of gaming. Uh, my number 16, uh, Uncharted 3. Uh, is the only Uncharted on my list. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, simply because uh, this one is maybe my most like fluctuation-y. Sure. I haven't replayed Uncharted 3 in some time since the remasters came out. I also haven't played Uncharted 4 again uh, since it came out. So with the, that being said, there's a possibility that I'll like 4 more now than 3. But I remember at the time playing through all three of them because I didn't play any of them until 3 had come out. Yeah. Uh, and they were like an established trilogy and that was when I was getting more into like IGN and things like that. I was like, all right, I'm going to play through all the Uncharted games. Um, at that time, three was like the pinnacle of that series for yeah. me. Uh, I think that's where you have the most like connected dialogue between like Nate and Elena and Sully and all of that. Just that those three together really established themselves in that game. Yeah. Um, and I love the set pieces. The three has probably my favorite set pieces of all of them. Uh, I just, I just think this, to me personally, is Uncharted at its best. Uh, even though I understand that 4 is probably better from a gameplay standpoint, I like a lot of the overtones of 3 a little bit more. Well, we'll see what I think. Okay, fair Soon enough. enough. Uh, my number 15. Okay. Spider-Man PS4. All right. Uh, again, I, you know, sung the praises of Miles Morales, but the format of purely swinging through New York in about as, you know, pristine details that has ever been done. Uh, mechanics are so crisp. Uh, the story for this game was not 
treading a lot of new ground, but mm-hmm. it, it was pretty ambitious in yeah, terms of the amount that they put into it and some of the story choices that they made. They're like, oh, wow, okay. Kudos for going that far. Yeah, yeah, they went uh, for it. But you cannot, as a, as a you know, diehard Spider-Man just lover, Yeah, you cannot accurately put into words just how fun it is and how, you know, immersive and you know escapist it is to swing around like a really like beautifully detailed version of New York yeah. as Spider-Man. Uh this was one of those games that was made all that much better because of how just excited I was for it. Yeah. And we've talked about that it was maybe my most excited I've ever been at a video game announcement. <laughs> yeah. And I was counting down the days and it did not disappoint. It was incredible. Amazing, one might say. Hey. Uh, God loves Spider Man. PS4 cannot wait for the sequel. Yeah, that's going to be so good. My number 15, going back to the indie world, it's Hotline Miami. This is a game that I think has stuck with me about as well as games have. Uh, it was my first experience with the sort of die, try again, die, try again. It's not ex- exactly a roguelike, but it has similar feel uh, feelings to a roguelike. And this game is also a little bit nostalgic for me now. Uh, it was a game I played entirely on my Vita. Shout out. Uh, while on the bed in college in the dorm, watching like sports every night and just playing through Hotline Miami. Um, that soundtrack is great. The art style is so cool and memorable. Uh, I, you know, with, with Hotline Miami 2, I think it gets past sort of the distillation to its purest form, kind of yeah. like we were talking about with 64. Uh, this is this is exactly what I want this type of game to be. It's arcadey. It's fun. It's grueling from a difficulty standpoint, but once you break through, it feels amazing. Especially when you're going for all the S ranks or A plus ranks, whatever they call it. Um, but as far as like arcadey games go, this is one of my faves. Number fourteen. We're in the real top stuff now. We're getting there. Super Smash Brothers Melee. That's fair. Uh, I. Among our friend group, I'm definitely the biggest Smash fan. Specifically. Oh, for, sh- for sure. Uh, and this is my Smash. Like, oh yeah. You know, was I was the perfect age for when this game came out on GameCube. Uh, I was a GameCube diehard kid. I remember it coming out, having played Smash 64 on my yeah. brother's N64. But then the GameCube was my thing, and this was my game right. on the GameCube. Uh, played it endlessly. Like I was playing it with every character, going through the adventure mode, doing every little different thing unlocking all the characters uh and it's it's one of those games where i played it so much that similar to call of duty 4 and 5 the controls of smash are ingrained into me because mm. of this game yeah uh i could not touch smash for years and because of the amount <laughs> that i played this game i would still basically remember how to play it sure no matter how many iterations further along it is uh yeah and as big as I mean, Ultimate is probably the best mm-hmm. Smash, but I would argue that as cool as like the uh, World of Light, I think is what the yeah that's what it's called the uh, Smash Ultimate single player is. I love the adventure mode from Me too. I prefer uh, Smash Melee, where you go through these like individual little uh, missions that are unique to each character in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of going through like one big story as just whichever character that you choose to be at a given moment. Right. Each character had sort of their own little set of missions uh, that I thought was really cool. The maps were great. The combat at that point was pretty much refined to the point where it has not changed since. Yeah. It's still melee. Uh, melee is the DNA of that whole series. And it sort of hit its peak there. And 
I love that game, and I will challenge anyone out there. I won't beat the pros, <laughs> but just for fun, for shits and giggles, I'll challenge anyone out there to a Smash Melee game. There you have. So Gauntlet has been laid. Uh, 14 for me, another amazingly nostalgic game, Fallout 3. Uh, my favorite of the sort of Bethesda open world games um, I prefer it to Skyrim, even though I really like Skyrim. I'm sure we'll hear more about Skyrim in a minute. Sure will. Uh, but I, for me, I have always been more attached to stuff that's like uh, post-apocalyptic than I have like fantasy. Fantasy, it takes a lot for me to attach to. Again, I still really like Skyrim, but this is just more my type of shit. I was 14, maybe younger than that. Well, this game came out in like 06, so I would have been like 11, 12. Uh, I think it was 06. It's either 06 or 07. Yeah, so, you know, I was around that age. It was a very formative time as far as games go for me. Um, Obviously, the coolest thing to me about Fallout is the world. Yeah. Uh, The characters, the music. I still hear songs that are from, like, the 40s and 50s. And even if it wasn't in Fallout, I'm like, oh, it's a Fallout song. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, all right, I'm playing Fallout. I'm wandering the wasteland again. Uh, I love New Vegas. I liked 4. To me, 3, DC is such a cool setting for this type of thing. You know, killing people while going through the Smithsonian is always going to be a really cool memory. Um, that plot was really cool. Like, I just, I love it. I, there's so much to love about this game. Uh, most specifically, one of my favorite settings for a game ever. And, uh, yeah, I, the world itself is one of my favorite places I've ever played in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all due respect to Fallout as a series. And I think if you were to ask me which setting I would prefer broadly, it mm-hmm. would be the Fallout-style setting. Sure. Um for me, with that game versus, you know, obviously the game that you teased that I will talk about, it yeah. was a place and time thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I no, played you, the game that I played at the right place at the right course. time, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you in Fallout 3. Yeah. So, 13 for me. Lucky number. Rocket League. Hey, there uh, we go. I had to include Rocket League, uh, both based on a number of hours played, which sure. is ginormous. Yeah, same for me. And because this is just the, this is my current best Pick up and play it at any time, and it's fun game. That's totally uh, fair. I will play Rocket League anytime, especially if I have anyone to play it with. It's instantly jumps up to being I would rather play this than just about anything else. Yeah. But even playing it with myself, playing one on one, you know, matches with people online, sure, uh, doing a random exhibition tournament for one of those random DLC trophies that they drop in like every <laughs> six months. Yeah. Uh, Rocket League is maybe my ultimate in the last. 10 to 15 or I could yeah it could go back very long but in the last however many years my ultimate best pick up and play for a few hours just to have some fun game sure and I I, I may have undersold it like part of my problem was I didn't know how to rank it above or below things because it is so different rank. Um, but yeah it, it is one of my favorite games ever I just don't know exactly where to rank but I, I we both adore Rocket yeah. League uh, what number on 13 yeah that was 13 for me so number 13 year. for me a game that I kind of want to I wish I could go back and replay and and sort of experience this again Little Big Planet 2 mm. uh, the game that got me to get a PS3 uh, I was on 360 because if you remember it was so much cheaper than the PS3 when they first came out uh, and so I was even as like a 10 year old I was very money conscious and I just asked for a 360 and played Halo and loved it but then a buddy of mine Ethan he had Little Big Planet 1 and I absolutely fell in love with the series we played through the entire game together uh, and that convinced my parents to let me get a PS3. <laughs> and then I got the first one of the only, I think one of the only like three collector's editions of a game I've ever bought was the little big planet Two yeah. collector's edition. 
Um, this, you know, if you don't know about Little Big Planet, it is a platformer uh, where you are playing as this little sack boy guy. You can change his skins to look like whatever. It was my first real game with like skin changing and buying skins for DLC and stuff. It was kind of ahead of its time in that way. Mm. Um, but I loved all that. I loved the theme packs that would come out with the with the DLC so like when the Ghostbusters skins came out there was a Ghostbusters level pack but then the cool thing was you could create your own levels other users could create their levels so in reality there was an infinite amount of levels you could play you were never bored uh it was you know I think a lot of people experienced that with Fortnite too with like the creator stuff Mm -hmm. but I it was again talk about right place right time being like sort of a kid sort of a preteen this just scratched all my itches and is one of the most fun pure fun games I've ever played Number 12, or officially in the top half. Yeah. Uncharted 2. Oh, okay. So, critics and the public might say that this is the best Uncharted. I disagree. Mm-hmm. However, it is, among, I mean, to me, you know, two and the other ones that I will still talk about <laughs> yeah. are all relatively close. Yeah. And I love Uncharted 2. Um I love the set pieces in two compared to, you know, some of the others in the series. Uh, the train, you know, set piece. Yeah. Amazing. The, you know, really everything in the snow in that game, fighting through the, like, temples towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, introducing Chloe, who is one of the most fun, you know. I love Chloe. Off, you know, side characters in the whole series. Yeah. Uh, culminating it in, to me, what is probably the most either the most or second most satisfying final boss in the series with Lazarevich. Sure, shout out. Uh, and bringing uh, Nate and Elena's relationship to a pretty satisfying, not conclusion, but sort of a you know resting point for the series to then jump off of from there. Yeah. Uh, it crystallized their relationship, really, where one had just sort of you know fanned the flames. Sure. Uh, but Uncharted 2, rock solid. It's, you know, you know, splitting hairs to really decide between the it few is. of these top games. It really is. Uh, I have my, though, one that is my conclusive favorite, which we will hear about soon enough. But love Uncharted 2, love the whole series. Yeah, same here. Number 12 for me, it's Super Mario Odyssey. It is my favorite Mario game, uh, which is, it took me a while to realize. I It's amazing. It's <laughs> so good. I it's For some reason, I've created this tradition with myself where every time I go home to see my mom for Christmas... I go through and get as many of the moons as I can because I've never gotten nine ninety nine or whatever. So I just am slowly like years and years and years filling in those moons. Um, so it's become a tradition for me that I love. It is a game that a six year old or a 60 year old could pick up and play. It has the most appeal. Go ahead. You. Well, I was just, you, I mean, you said that literally as I was singing, this is one of the few games that I share with one of my nephews. Mm, right. Uh, he is of the age where, I mean, cause this game came out, four years ago something like that uh, yeah. and he didn't you know at that time he was too young but sure. he sort of you know progressed and once he started to understand video games super mario odyssey was at the forefront of games that he could play and somewhat understand right uh he's played and i would just let him he's found moons that i have not like in my <laughs> yeah, copy yeah. of odyssey and just bounced around and he just loves just being and existing in the way that I just existed and bounce around in 64. Right. This is his version of that, which was amazing. I love seeing that. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, and like I, I love all of the different world settings. I love some of the surprises in those worlds. Like 
I did not think the whole Cappy thing was going to work when I first it saw this game. So well. It's amazing. It's so well done uh, and gives you so much variety. It feels like they squeeze every last drop of like fun and exploration and versatility out of every one of these settings. Like no stones left unturned. If you think there's something behind that wall, there probably is. Like it is just, it is the exploration dream as far as I'm concerned about really rewarding every inch you want to go look after uh, and the soundtrack rules. Yeah. So uh, just a wonderful, wonderful game. Number 11, Uncharted. Oh, Four. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, again, we're not done. Sure, no. But I gave four the slight edge over two. I would probably do the same. And these two are neck and neck. When yeah. I tell you, I mean, it's funny enough that they're from the same series, but uh, <laughs> yeah. they have different accolades and different detractions that I would give each. Uh, we yeah. spoke about uh, last week when we were talking about our games that you know had a fatal flaw that we would fix. Yeah, uh, Uncharted Four was one of mine where the introduction of Sam as a character, you know, annoyed me to no end. Sure, but honestly, everything else about Uncharted Four is basically perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the gameplay is immaculate. They introduce stealth and more traversal mechanics that have not been in other games. The gameplay just is light years ahead of the rest of the series. Yeah, uh, the story is interesting and not as harebrained supernatural as other games in the series as much as I can like and enjoy that stuff uh, like you know I love these games because I love Indiana Jones and the adventure vibe Sure. Uh, and those movies and most of these games have the supernatural and it doesn't bother me right but I do respect that this game does not I agree and tells a more personal realistic story even if you're bouncing around to like the ends of the earth you know going after all this stuff <laughs> right uh the final conflict is more personal and engaging than maybe any of the others it's not as true of a boss fight as lazarevich but it's sure. still much better than uncharted 3 which i talked about uh, also <laughs> last week yeah um uncharted 4 the objective best maybe uncharted i'd agree with that but with some you know questionable decisions and less of a nostalgic pull uh, as a couple of the other games, including one you are yet to hear about. My number 11, and we're just knocking on the door of the top 10 here, The Stanley Parable. Uh, This game is super special to me. I want it to come out on PlayStation. (laughs) I know. When is that release happening? I don't know, because I want to play it again and play it my own way. Yeah, it's, it's so special to me. It's maybe the game that I've shown the most people. Uh, I remember having you sit and play through it and then having Andrew sit and play through it and he hated it, which was really funny. See, I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it too. It is, if you don't know the Stanley Parable, uh, it's almost best played not knowing anything. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to say too much, but as far as just making me rethink how games are made and the structure of games and the decision behind story elements and the way your gameplay can affect the story and it has all of those wonderful things. It's also hilarious it is hilarious one of the funniest games i've ever played probably the only game on here that made me just laugh end to end as this game like there's so many funny moments the narrator is one of the most charismatic characters in any game i've ever played it's so unlike anything else even uh beginner's guide which was this developer's next game it has a little bit that but it's a little bit more serious undertone this is just balls to the wall hilarious campy ridiculousness and it all just works um and i i i just i go play this game if you don't know anything about it just go play it well and the fact that it can run the spectrum between uber hilarious to like 
completely like nihilistic. Oh yeah, like, like super times. dark and serious. Yeah, and I love that that whole spectrum of emotions is in yeah. that game. Yeah, it's amazing. Number ten, top ten. Here we are. Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay, and I think. Red Dead Redemption 1 would be higher if this game didn't exist. Yep, fair. And a lot of my love for Red Dead 1 rolls over into this game. Totally uh, agree. Because the stories cross over. Red Dead 2 is a prequel to Red Dead 1. Uh, this, you know, characters overlap. You get a lot of the same, you know, emotional beats. And, you know, it's amazing because a lot of people talk about how prequels can be predictable. Because, obviously, oh, it's like, you know who's going to live, who's going to die. Like, sure. certain plot beats that you can anticipate. Yeah. But, whereas John Marston is, you know, an excellent protagonist who you feel for uh, and really root for in the first game, Arthur Morgan mm. takes that to the nth degree. What a character. Arthur Morgan is, uh, I talked about Aiden Pierce last week as being on the Mount Rushmore of bland, like, boring protagonists. Yeah. Arthur Morgan might be on the Mount Rushmore of engaging emotionally engrossing protagonist nuanced uh he is incredible yeah uh and the choices that you can make in this game that lead to different outcomes that have you feeling different ways yep uh i won't say much about the epilogue to the game other than to say (laughs) the epilogue is the reason why this game is so high Mm. i love the game as it is yeah and the epilogue just goes further to separate this game and put it into that upper echelon of games that I really love. Uh, I think this is the objective best game Rockstar has ever made. I agree. Uh, And I don't think it's particularly close. I totally agree. Um, I'm right there with you. It's gorgeous. I cannot wait. This is one of those games. It's number 10. It could go higher if they re-release it and compel me to play it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could easily, I could see it easily worming its way like knocking on the door to my top five. Yeah. Uh, It's just that damn good. Uh, I don't know if it's going to hit the nostalgia notes for me that would ever get it that high. Sure. But in terms of objective greatness, there's an argument to be made that it's top like two or three best games on my list and top. You could probably argue it's top 10 games ever made, period. Yes. Uh, We will talk more about Red Dead 2. It is also in my list. Uh, But yeah, I'm very excited to, to elucidate a little bit more on that. Number 10 for me, a game that has fallen a little bit. Uh, but still has to be in my top 10. Emily is Away 2. Mm. Um, T-O-O. So this is one of the games that is set in the Emily is Away series. Um, set in AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, or like a clone of uh, some sort of Instant Messenger. This one particularly is around the dawn of MySpace. So it's like 2006, 7. Uh, and you are playing as yourself really. Talking to Emily and a few other characters through IM. And you can find out more about them. Uh, through messaging them and talking to them. It is a text-based game. Uh, I know some people have tuned out just at the thought of this, but that's okay. I understand. Uh, But as far as a lot of these games in my top 10 are there, either because they are expertly designed games or some of the best made games, in my opinion, that I've ever experienced, or games that I have connected with on an emotional level, um, or a mix of both, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, ideally both. But in this experience, this game just got to me emotionally. Um, it, it does a wonderful job of telling the story it's trying to tell. Uh, you feel so engrossed with these characters that aren't real, but because of the format of the game feel real in the moment, um, all of you, there's so much chaos in it that is amazing. Like uh, there's a moment in the game, not to spoil too much, but this is the only one of the games in the series that does this. And I wish they had done it again in three 
which is you're talking to two two of the characters at the same time and you're basically so you're you're talking to both of them you don't know exactly what your relationship with them is going to be each of them and going back and forth there's like a countdown timer of when you can send your message and then they start overlapping and you start panicking of like, Oh shit, I got to reply to this person. Wait, no, I got to reply to that person. Like that chaos and that stress was so real and everything about, that's a good way to describe this game. It just feels real. Yeah. Um, and it is an experience unlike any other, even in the series, I like the whole series, but two to me is way outshines the other two. Uh, and I just, I, it, one of those games that just emotionally got to me and I love for it. Number nine, number nine, Bioshock. Oh, okay. Uh, this game has steadily crept up ever since I played it. Uh, yeah. Because I only played it when the remasters came out on PS4. Same for me. Uh, this game struck the perfect, you know, chord between action and suspense horror. Like it rides that line in a way that I love because we've talked about, and you know, I am not a you know not a hard ass when it comes to horror games, <laughs> but I really sure. love games that uh, bring some suspense and some horror elements to the table. The atmospheric uh, side of it. And, you know, dropping into Rapture for the first time and seeing that splicer mm-hmm. that like is like just waiting to just mess you up. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, circumstances intervene that you're able to survive as long as you're able. Uh, but then, you know, the cost benefit analysis of confronting every big daddy uh, and going through every corridor and, you know, weighing, uh, I need to find some bullets, but, you know, do I drop blah, 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 which, you know, should I engage with my bullets? Should I engage with my, uh, I forget what the uh, powers are called uh, that you hold in your hands. The plasmids? Plasmids, yes. Uh, sort of deciding how to go about each encounter. And then to say all that, you know, from a gameplay perspective, the game's amazing. But the story and Andrew Ryan creating this incredible world as you know, Ayn Randian capitalism, mm-hmm. utilitarianism to the nth degree. Yeah. And seeing the collapse of this ad hoc underwater civilization spoke to me on like a philosophical <laughs> level that yeah. maybe no other game on my list has. Uh, Bioshock is about everything that I could want in a video game in terms of how much it makes me think and how much it then makes me enjoy going through the world that they've created. Uh, I could see Bioshock. Bioshock's another one. That I don't know. If, I don't foresee myself playing Bioshock again anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those games. that's weirdly, the more I just think about it, the more I like it. Yep. Uh, same. And that's about as good as I could crystallize my thoughts on it. Again, we will hear from Bioshock a little bit <laughs> yeah. later on my list. Uh, number nine, one that I'm going to get ahead of you, uh, is Bloodborne for me. That is the shirt I'm wearing today. Oh, you'll hear about it. Uh, I absolutely adore Bloodborne. Uh, I did not see myself loving Bloodborne the first two two or three times I tried it, but the fourth time or third time, whatever it was, it clicked. And there have been fewer, there have been very few uh, moments where a click has felt so satisfying in gaming than when Bloodborne clicked with me. Uh, and I think that's maybe an argument you can make for any FromSoft game is like sure. when it clicks, your, whatever your first one is, when it clicks, you feel incredible. Like yeah. it is such a cool moment. Um, I think Bloodborne is my favorite. Uh, Sekiro almost made this list, but I, I, I love Bloodborne so much. Uh, and it's it's a game that I love in spite of me not thinking I'd love it for so long, which is kind of cool. But the setting is amazing. Of course, of course, the boss fights. Everybody talks about the boss fights, and they are so varied and so unique. 
Uh, an underrated part of it is like the Chalice Dungeons. Mm-hmm. Those add an, a complete new element for FromSoft games that they haven't had, at least in the ones that I've played, uh, with like the the half health chalice dungeon of course is kind of notorious for how hard it is just adding that little ramp of difficulty uh the story was easy enough to follow that i actually kind of got some of it um it wasn't as like here is what the story is as sekiro was but you know the the feud between like the school and the church basically uh super interesting everything about this world is so fascinating and i think that's one thing that separates it for me from the rest of the pack with fromsoft games but the gameplay variety the weapon variety as far as gameplay goes, I think it's one of the best game design games ever. Funny you should mention, <laughs> but my number eight is Sekiro Shadows okay. Die Twice. Gotcha, yeah. Um, it was close for me. I've said before, Sekiro is my favorite combat ever in a game, period. Yeah. Uh, no other game makes you feel like you're having a one-on-one, you know, tit-for-tat swordsman duel mm-hmm. the way that uh, Sekiro does. Uh, and yeah, Sekiro tells a good, you know, straightforward story that is relatively engaging. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're motivated to push your way through the story. Yeah. But that's not why you really come to these games. You come to these games for the, you know, boss fights and the larger encounters where uh, this game is structured a little differently where it has like mini bosses, like definitive mini bosses yeah. compared to some actual boss fights. And some of these mini bosses are as difficult, if not more difficult than a lot of other boss fights, not just in Sekiro, but otherwise in the whole like FromSoft sure. catalog. Yeah. Um, but Sekiro to me is just a game. It's another one that I feel compelled to come back to from, you know, every now and then because the gameplay is just so immaculately good. Yeah. Uh, it is just so compelling to face down another swordsman one-on-one and get the, you know, one up and defeat them. And it's another game where oddly enough, you know, you talked about how, once Bloodborne clicks with you, you not only does it feel like you've overcome the you know hurdle in that game that now you could really persevere. Sure. To me, Bloodborne, when you overcome that hurdle, you kind of feel like I have now unlocked sort of my access card to FromSoft's whole ca- catalog. Like, yeah, I yeah, can yeah. now play any of these games. Right. Except Sekiro. Yeah. Sekiro, you have to relearn everything that you have learned elsewhere by playing these Souls-like games. Yeah. You can't dodge roll every attack you can't you know rely on some of the same tired mechanics that these other games do you have to engage be aggressive block strategically manipulate their stamina bar like manage your own the depth and you know (laughs) the depth of the mechanics of the combat of Sekiro is just incredible yeah Uh, can't praise that game enough from that perspective and for that reason it's this high I will say one more point I thought of about Bloodborne while you're talking about Sekiro uh, maybe the best DLC ever, as Old far as video games go. A DLC is incredible. Um, so just want to give a little shout out to that. Uh, number eight for me, a game we've already discussed, Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, this game really could fluctuate as high or as low as like, like you said, like three or four. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adore this game. Uh, specifically in the epilogue, this isn't a spoiler. There is a pure moment in that in the epilogue that is so just uh, enjoyable now I, I know what you're talking about and it's so totally different and it's just like hey we're just doing this it it's, really it's so good and yet it's touching no like, yeah that for moment, sure it's like, totally genuine it doesn't oh, feel oh i love that moment so much it doesn't feel false at all it feels totally earned <laughs> the song is so good but red dead 
Red Dead is almost the godfather of video games. Now, I'm not saying it's the greatest game of all time, but what I'm saying is it takes you through so many different stories, so many different emotions. It is a long journey for sure. No denying that. I know some people are out on how long the prologue is. Trust me, it is worth it. Um, It is just, it is such a large scope, but yet still distills down to these personal stories. It is Arthur with Dutch. It is Arthur with the rest of the camp. It's Arthur with John. Like it is all of these personal connections you make feel valid, feel real. Um, The setting is super cool with it being like, was it like Louisiana? Yeah, it's right. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what they call. I it. I don't either. But it, you know, basically Louisiana, um, Saint Denis. That's that it. is You're their right. like yeah, version yeah. of New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, um, that setting is super cool, especially in that time period. I there's so much life to this game, and it's one of those games where every corner, every you know, every chance you take to look at something or listen to someone talking, there's something there. Um, I've talked about ad nauseum the moment I had in this game that wasn't really planned, but there are so many little moments like that where it wasn't even maybe intended to be such an awe inspiring moment, but because of the detail they put in every corner of this game, there's so many moments that can be awe inspiring. Um, there's so much just potential for revelation, I guess, in this game that I, I, is unlike most games I've ever played. Uh, I, I, I love this game to the moon. I totally think you're right that it's the best, best game a very talented studio and rockstar has ever made. So, Deserves to be this high. And the fact that I can find that that house, the like scary house. Yeah. That I'm pretty sure is not part of any mission. <laughs> yeah. That you just stumble across and it just tells its own story. You can walk in and look at it or you can never go in there ever. Yeah. It's amazing. Number seven. Uncharted. Lost Legacy. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Uncharted 3. Yeah. Uh, my favorite of the Uncharted series. Again, you touched on the set pieces. Yeah. Uncharted 3 has by far the best set pieces in the whole series. And I agree. it's not particularly close. The freaking ship. The man. ship uh the shipyard. Yeah, oh yeah. The plane, the desert, um, all of these different things uh culminate in some of the most like engaging, fun, action packed, cinematic. Yeah. There is nothing no better word for this game than cinematic. You feel like you're in you know, an action movie being directed by like Steven Spielberg or whoever. Right. Um, with really kick ass performances from everyone involved. Yep. Nolan North is just Nolan, Nolan North, you know, he's he's a lot of characters. Nolan North is Drake. Yes. Like hundred percent. He shines the brightest he ever does when he is the quippy, you know, fun, you know, Nathan Drake just gallivanting through these ridiculously stupid scenarios that no <laughs> mortal man should ever survive but yeah. Nathan Drake somehow does yeah. uh, and the personal story that you know you get the developments between Nate and Elena and then specifically in this game between Nate and Sully mm. who is you know you could argue is just as important of a relationship uh, I think you get the real moments between Nate and Elena or, or well you get a lot of them through the whole series sure uh, but you get the real Nate and Elena in two and four four specifically uh, yeah. but this one is Nate and Sully yeah uh, to the core uh, which is more fun if less touching than sure. Nate and Elena's yeah uh, and some of the moments and some of the you know plot beats and twists and just pure fun that this game is is nigh unmatched uh, in action adventure games uh, and it is probably if I had to narrow like action adventure to a you know narrow genre, it's probably mm-hmm. my favorite game that I would call an action adventure game That's ever fair. made. Number seven for me, Shovel Knight. 
Shovel Knight's one of the most impactful games I've ever played. Uh, I did not grow up with Mega Man style games. Um, the closest I got were like Super Mario World games. I, I didn't, or Super Mario games, sorry. I didn't even play like Metroidvanias growing up. But this game is, it's more Mega Man than Metroidvania. But the structure of this game is so well done. The gameplay is immaculate. Some of the best, yes, it's 2D and yes, it's side-scrolling. Some of the best tight gameplay I've ever played. Like this game feels tuned to a needle's like tuning. Like it's so precise. Um, the boss fights are so varied and interesting. Fighting all the different knights, uh, fighting the boss rush toward the end. The order of no quarter is one of my favorite moments in games as far as gameplay goes ever. When we're talking about pure, I didn't connect with Shovel Knight on an emotional level. There's not much to connect with. They, they expand the story out with other stuff, but like as this game is pure gameplay. And as far as that goes is some of the best I've ever played. Also the soundtrack. I know I've recommended yeah. it before, but one of my favorite video game soundtracks ever. Uh, it is just, everything is tuned so precisely in this game that it is just oodles of fun. It's hard, but not so hard that you can't feel like you, that you feel like you can't do it. Uh, there's challenge if you want it. It's the only time I've ever speed run a game because I had to for a trophy. Uh, one of the most fun platinum journeys ever. Just a purely fun game. Shovel Knight's great. It is. Just to throw that out there. Number six, Call of Duty <laughs> Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. And as I talk about this, I'll just have you know, I looked down and saw this, and the music from the menu immediately started playing in my head. Uh, I can hear it. I can hear clicking around. I can, I can, I can feel this game in me. This is probably... Yeah. If not my most played game ever, it has to be top three. Sure. Um, this was when Call of Duty. This is when Call of Duty hit me at the perfect age. Mm. Like I was able to learn the series with four and five, and then all of my friends started playing with this game. Yeah. Uh, and this was the game where I would come home and not want to do anything else besides mm. hop onto my you know Xbox Live because I had a 360 at the time. Shout out. And just absolutely play Call of Duty till the wee hours. Uh, and given when it, you know Call of Duty comes out in November, that Christmas break and you know those snow days were just absolute binges of what I would argue is the tightest best designed, you know, most engaging Call of Duty experience that there is. The maps are just untouchable. It, almost every map in two, and you know this ha it has to be a lot of nostalgia talking. But even when I go back and look objectively, I feel like the map design in two is so much better than every iteration since. Mm. Mainly because two allowed for a lot more play styles than subsequent games. Gotcha. Subsequent Call of Duties were very tight corridor based. There were a few long sight lines, but you couldn't really take advantage of that sort of thing. Two, or Modern Warfare 2, was you could run and gun if you chose, which is what a lot of people did. Yeah. But if you wanted to snipe, you could snipe across the map, and that was allowed and honestly was kind of the meta of that game sure. uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but that's what I like to do. Like I, As much as I liked you know, running with a silenced ACR with a red dot sight and like all these <laughs> stuff. And I know exactly which perks that I want. I want a uh, stopping power and cold blooded. Like I know exactly the build that's going to get me the most kills is going to get me the best kill streaks. Yeah. Uh, but the feeling of being in that game with the 
intervention with stopping power and every shot that I, if I get a hit marker, that person's dead. Like there's no (laughs) two shots with a sniper rifle. I feel powerful. I feel like a a sniper. Ugh, I cannot crystallize just how much fun I had playing that game Uh, and being good, you know, with a group of people who were pretty good that Mm -hmm. felt so satisfying to win as a team uh, often. And I played with three or four different groups of friends. Yeah. And different times, like whoever was on, that was who you were playing with. Yeah, I could have a different group of six on on a given night that was just you know randomly assorted. But Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two is neck and neck with a game that we will talk about for my favorite multiplayer experience of all time. Gotcha, by far. Number six for me, another game we've already talked about, Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, another game like you said. The the more I think about it, the more I love it. Uh, I almost put Bioshock Infinite on here as well, but I think Bioshock is the purest of that kind of experience you're going to get. Uh, Rapture, one of the one of if not the coolest settings in games ever. Uh, Andrew Ryan, one of the coolest characters ever. Uh, shout out to Sander Cohen, which is a very cool character. <laughs> that's kind of a middle of the road thing. Um, the story beats, obviously not going to spoil because the story is absolutely amazing. Uh, the fact that this game holds up so well, you and I both played it way after the fact when it came out and both adore it. That's such a strong, like point in its favor. Um, there's not much more that you can say about Bioshock that we haven't already touched on between yours and mine, but just as far as like feeling, it is maybe one of the most fleshed out with the exception of one other world that we'll talk about maybe the most fleshed out gaming world I've ever experienced. Like every corner of this map feels lived in there. You know, the environmental environmental storytelling that I'm such a sucker for is everywhere in this game. And even in the series, Bioshock two and infinite, um, you know, this kind of sets the, the dice rolling for all of the series. And I love this series to death, but this is its strongest chapter. Number five in the top five. Now I'm going to allude back for a moment. Now, I touched on Arkham City uh, being sort of the benchmark for what, you know, third-person superhero open-world games could be. Mm -hmm. But my personal benchmark for what such a game could be is Infamous. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Okay. (laughs) You were going to say Spider-Man 2 for a second. I was like, whoa. No, 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 no. Infamous 1, to me, is one of those games that made me a gamer. Uh, it was that point in time where I was, I think, 13 uh, mm-hmm. when this game came out. Uh, early on, relatively early in my life cycle of playing with the PS3. Yep. Uh, was maybe like the last game that I played in love on the PS3 before I really jumped ship to Xbox for a while. Um, but Infamous is so stylish and cool and fun and brings that, you know, environment that was, you know, it's the weird grungy post-apocalyptic but not because it's a city that is lived in yeah but it's so grungy and grimy and so you know gangs take over and these messed up super powered individuals have come to sort of ransack everything uh the comic book cutscenes, you know so good the voice acting of cole and <laughs> zeke that is you my know, boy that is, you know, dueling Zeke. back and forth, but you feel their relationship of being bros, but being so weirdly different. Yeah. Um, and being compelled to overcome the barriers and the walls of Cole's relationship with, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Trish, I believe is uh, his girl's name. I'm almost I positive that I don't it's remember. Trish. Um, but just the, yeah, the stylization, the, but 
the end all be all of me talking about infamous is just how fucking cool it is to be an electric powered superhero <laughs> and you can walk around and suck the electricity out of anything <laughs> out of cars you can suck car batteries you can suck like light poles yeah it's so cool and satisfying to then unleash literal lightning bolts from the electricity that you are generating from the rest of the city around you and then how cool it is for you to go into missions where like oh the enemies have strategically like cut the power and oh right. all of a sudden it's I'm like in pain and I can't heal myself and it's dark and you feel like it's sort of like uh, dying light when you go out at night mm. and you feel everything is more dangerous. Sure. You go into the part of the city where the power's out and all of a sudden you feel so vulnerable. Yeah. Like I cannot engage an enemy. I am not powerful enough right now. Right. And then you flip the power back on and all of a sudden you are an electricity god. Yeah. Um, and the plot twist with Kessler and just, oh, I can't speak to how cool Infamous is was as a concept, as the way it was executed. I beg of you, Sucker Punch, please <laughs> do not leave me hanging for too much longer, whether it's Infamous 3 or whether it's a remake, whatever it might be. Uh, this series means a hell of a lot to me. Yeah. And I love Batman. I love S Spider-Man. But Cole McGrath is honestly, if I thought critically about it and didn't forget him, would be one of my favorite superheroes ever. I love Fair. Cole McGrath. Yeah, Cole's so cool. Number five for me. A game that used to be number two at one point for me, uh, Gone Home. Also, this is interesting. Infamous used to be number two for me. Well, we, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Gone Home is an amazing story told in a way that I had never experienced before Before the time I'd played it. Um, this is one of those games that, again, probably best experienced without knowing any damn thing about it. I would say most people probably know what it's about now, though. Uh, so I will say, like, this is the first time I ever experienced... Uh, a gay story in a video game and told earnestly and told without any sort of like joke or, you know, any sort of terrible stereotype about it. This was a love story first and foremost that just happened to be a gay love story. And that impacted me so heavily as like a 16 yeah. year old or however old it was. And, you know, I growing up like, uh, my mom's best friend is gay. And like, I, uh, one of my best friends as a kid, he had two dads. Like I've always been in a, a relationship or in a, uh, in a position where I've been able to form those relationships and, and just see that as love purely. But it was, there was something so powerful about a gaming medium where that, you know, being gay was used as an insult for so long, you know, in call of duty chat rooms and, you know, halo chats or whatever, like, Oh, you're gay, whatever. And to be honest, probably still is. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but seeing that something in video games that usually has that stereotype of like, people being homophobic, seeing it go, no, this is a love story here, was so powerful. There are fewer experiences, because the game's only like two hours, um, two, three hours, somewhere in there. There are fewer experiences where I remember exactly where I was, and I was sitting in my bedroom on my, like, hand-me-down PC, uh, playing it on this, like, old beat-up desk, and I just remember, like, being brought to tears, and not really understanding why, but just being like, this is so powerful and different. And also, like, it's not just the fact that it was a gay video game. Like the story is really well told. There's so much nuance there. Um, it's, it's set in like the nineties and that's really fun. Like the soundtrack is really cool. All the little notes, like there's so much humor written in all the environment. I mean, this is environmental storytelling in the game. It's a walking sim, but you know, it's, it's that type of game. And it just connected with me on such a, such a level that few games ever had since. So shout out. When I think about it, it might be, 
you know, and I've talked about that. I really enjoyed Gone Home, and mm-hmm. even though it, like, and everyone talks about how it's not the game they expect it to be going. Sure, in, yeah, um, which is part of the fun. It might be the end all be all of walking simulators, though. No, I in agree. terms of just a game where you're just walking through a house, yeah, and just exploring and uncovering, you know, information about the lives of other people. It does that as well or better as any other game ever. Yeah, um, totally agree. So I have mad respect for it, even if it's not my typical style. Sure, of game. yeah, oh for sure. Number four. Let's cue the song of the Dragonborn, baby. Because mm. this is Skyrim. Okay. Uh, your your Fallout 3 is my Skyrim. Sure. This was my first foray into the massive, you know, RPG of, you know, Bethesda's ilk. And this was one of the, this is the other one where I would think of as being among my top played games of all time. Because, mm. You know, as I talked about, you know, with my buddy Gage, I would play Minecraft for hours on end. Yeah. With all my random ass friends on Xbox 360, I would play Modern Warfare 2 for hours on end. Mm-hmm. With Skyrim, I would come home by myself. Yeah. And park in my recliner with my 360 controller and just lose myself for <laughs> hours. Yeah. Uh, go down to eat dinner, go right back up and keep <laughs> playing. Uh, just exploring the map that was just, it was ridiculous in comprehension like i could not fathom how big and detailed the map of skyrim was mm-hmm. you were just walking and finding towns that you had never seen before and just meeting random people and yes looking back now you're meeting people that are saying the same you know generic <laughs> lines of dialogue yeah but there are also pretty as a pretty like relevant npc you know brief interaction in pretty much every location in that game. Sure. Uh, so there's a purpose for every single location. Yeah. Uh, you would find caves that you would go and clear out and you would find something. It's like, oh, this is not typical loot. And then you would find the person that was supposed to give you that quest and then they'd be like, oh, you already found it. Yeah. That was brain breaking to me. That, like, <laughs> Oh, I completed this mission without even trying. Yeah, without even knowing it was a uh, mission. This world truly is, you know, mine for the taking. I get to do what I want and, you know, reap the rewards as they come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether you choose, like, the Stormcloaks versus the Imperials, like, that's just the first of a quadrillion different little minor changes in your path that you can take to create your own character in what is still the deepest RPG that I've ever played. Mm. Uh I I was disappointed to find out that the anniversary edition is not as many upgrades because I was low key excited to play this game again and I still <laughs> might. Yeah. Um because I've lost countless hours and I do not regret it because Skyrim is just it is about as escapist of a game ever because you lose yourself in all of these intricate stories that have been placed throughout Skyrim. Totally. I love it so much. Number 4 the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, this game, I didn't know what to think of this game when I first played it. I played it mainly because it was the hottest thing on Twitch, and I was like, all right, I got to check this out. Whatever. Let's stream it. Why not? I don't really have an attachment to Zelda. I have no nostalgia for it whatsoever. But sure, let's try it. I don't use the word magical to describe many things, but that's the word I use to describe Breath of the Wild. It is purely fantastical it is one of the most encouraging of exploration games i've ever played it seems like there is a shrine every three feet and i love the shrines so much they're just little contained puzzles that make you think about all the powers you have 
uh, in such different ways. It's such critical thinking, but the art style is gorgeous. The enemy design is fun. The fact that if you want, you can just go storm up Ganon's tower at the very beginning of the game, yeah. but instead you're taking the entire time to go visit all of these different types of characters and go do all the divine beasts and just there's so many aspects to this game when it comes to diversity of play that I absolutely love. Like you never feel, or at least I never felt bored in the ways I could play this game. Like it was never like, okay, I'm going to do three shrines and call it. It's like, I'm going to do three shrines. Then I'll go do a main quest. Then I'll go sell my goods. Then I'll go cook. Then I'll come back and do a couple more shrines. Oh crap. It's 1am. Like it's one of those games for me that it just kept giving the DLC was great as well. But the soundtrack is amazing. There's so many touches in this that feel so purposeful. And this entire game feels designed to a purpose of just go. Just yeah. go do whatever. Take as much time as you want. Do as much as you want. And then Ganon's there if you want to fight him whenever. Like, it's such a beautiful experience. In a way, it's super relaxing, even though it's not like a, you know, not like a Stardew or something like that where it's meant to be just calming. It It's such a well-built well-crafted world that is just so fun to play in. It is damn good and scratches that itch that was mm. formed in all of us when we play our first game like that. Yeah. Uh, I was glad that I got to experience that sort of same, like, go do whatever you feel like doing sure. with a game like that. It's not, you know, I didn't talk about it, but I do really, really dig and appreciate Breath of the Wild for what it is. Mm. Number three. All right. A game that has climbed steadily ever since it was first released, God of War. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. God of War might be the most perfect video game I've ever played. Uh, well said. The story, stellar, emotional, touching, empowering, uh, tons of accolades that you could ascribe to it. The combat... Second only, but is right there in the running with Sekiro for just being... Yeah. And it's it's fun and engaging in a different way. Sekiro is your sword fighting and your beat for beat and trying to outsmart and learn all the moves of your opponent. Yeah. God of War is you are a god yeah. on a power trip and you are just cutting enemies in half and just dominating and feeling powerful. Yeah. Uh, in a way that no other game has really done to that degree. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that for all the other things in this game to take Norse mythology and incorporate it in such a way that they're giving you like genuinely like shocking, like plot <laughs> twists and yeah. plot moments that you did not expect from a game of this ilk. Like God of war is just, I can't sing the praises of it enough. And I, and it's so strange to me that when I first played it, I really, really liked it. Yeah. I would, I don't know if I would say that I loved it on first playthrough. On second playthrough, and I caught everything again, and I understood and learned more about the previous entries in God of War. So, like, I understood Kratos' story more sure. and then played it again. Yeah. And have played it once more since then. <laughs> and just, I cannot hardly articulate just how good this game is. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is technically pretty much flawless. Like oh, it does, yeah. The game does not chug. The game just runs beautifully. Yeah. And it's challenging because they're in the challenges are you can go find the challenges. It's not like hard to a fault when you're just going through this story. Right. But the Valkyrie fights and some of these auxiliary boss encounters are just 
taking that combat and really pushing your limits. Uh, but at the end of the day, as much as you you know love just playing the game, the story is what keeps me coming back. And I, it's weird to think that the story is the real reason that I can't wait for God of War Ragnarok. But yeah. that's really true. I want to see where this story goes. Same uh, here. It is probably my most anticipated video game sequel ever now. So I can't, I, I can't I wait. I would agree with that. It's so exciting. Number three for me, a game that you said is in your honorable mentions, The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, okay. Uh, I it, it took me a while to figure out where I settled with this game. I totally get your hesitation of, I still don't really know how I feel about it because it's so recent. Uh, but I feel comfortable saying it's one of my top three games of all time. Yeah, and I want to discuss it more here with you. Sure. I, I It is as... It was the most excited I'd ever been for a sequel. That's tr- absolutely true. Uh, at the time it ever came out. And the fact that it delivers on that is incredible. Um, I went into it, I talked about it at the time, like, I just hoped that it was good. That was my only real, real, like, I didn't want to set too high expectations. I didn't want to say I hope it's better than the first because I didn't think it was going to be. But, I, you know, I didn't want it to be, like, perfect. I was just like, I hope it's just all right. Like, as long as it's good, I'm good. Um, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think there is a... There is a case to be made while while longer, um, the structure of this story might be the best video game structured story ever. Mm. Um, the fact that I'm not going to spoil what happens, but yeah. there is a there is a midpoint, a very critical midpoint in the game that the revelation hits you a little bit slower that you're like, oh, my God, this is what we're doing. What? And that is one of the coolest revelations I've ever experienced in games. Um both Ellie and another character in the game are so well designed and so well thought out. They both feel like real people. I'd say a lot of the characters in this game feel like real people, but especially those two with real motivations, complex motivations. This game, I think a reason this game doesn't resonate with a lot of people is because it's so complex as far as the shades of gray with the characters. Um, For me, I love that. That makes them feel real. It makes them feel conflicted, which we all are as people. Um, it, it adds such a dimension to this story that I don't really know even now which side I'm on yeah. or, you know, like everyone feels justified in their decisions and that's really all you can ask for a script. Uh, and there are some amazing highs in this game, uh, some amazing characters that are brought into the fold. I, the game is probably the best looking game I've ever played. It, it's, it hits all, it ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah. And I promise you that it is in my top 25. Sure, I just no, have I not know. crystallized where yet. Yeah, but, no, that's totally fair. Um, what was interesting to me going into The Last of Us Part Two is once you start playing it and keep playing it and realize the departure that it is, mm. which is not, you know, you expect a relatively direct continuation of Joel and Ellie's story, which is not what you get. No. You get this new, somewhat subversive, um, you know, it's not as if the characters that you love aren't still there in the game and you get to, you know, learn a lot of new revelations and different things about these characters, but sure. the directions that it takes you is not what I expected from this game. No. It was jarring, but not in a bad way. No, that, um, that's all I could ask for is that they don't do something for me. Yeah, which is weird because it's like I, I wanted more of the characters that I loved. Sure. But... I took what they gave me and appreciated the hell out of it yeah. and only have grown to appreciate it more and I'm just waiting and I will play it again. You know, they've just, you know, we, they patched it pretty recently to play in 60 frames. Yeah. Uh, and I jumped into it and played through the first few hours. So I'll pick up 
at that point here pretty soon and, you know, play through the game again to sort of finalize my thoughts. Sure. Um, I can't see it not landing high. We'll see how high. Sure. Uh, but my number two, which reason that you, you know, you could deduce at this point yeah. is Bloodborne. Yes. Uh, Bloodborne to me is, and I've sort of used this combination of words before when talking about Bloodborne, is like yeah. the most like foreboding, imposing, difficult, challenging, but at the same time, rewarding, stimulating game maybe that I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, it also rides that line between horror and, you know, action that, you know, sure. it, it's not a horror game explicitly, but you could argue that it's as scary as many horror games because the setting is just so, you know, in your face, dark, gothic, you know, you never know what's lurking around the next turn. But because it's a FromSoft game, you know that whatever's lurking around the next turn could kill you very right. easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no question in your mind that every next step you take in the, you take in this game could be your last. And right. you're sent back to the beginning. Um, the boss fights in Bloodborne are probably my favorite in the whole series. Uh, Father Gascon, to be specific, which a lot of people have you know, commented is that wall that mm-hmm. once you overcome you, it clicks and you sort of understand the rest of the game. But that fight just in particular is sort of the Sekiro praise that I sung, which is you feel like it's a one-on-one, you know, equal versus equal fight. That yeah. is Bloodborne's version of that where right. it's Hunter versus Hunter. Um, and it, that character has like a tragic story that you could never uncover or you could dig deep and find these little hidden things in the world and uncover his, you know, background with his daughter and his family, like right. all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just the, the story of the church versus the hunters and, you know, the use of the blood and why old Yarnum is, you know, sequestered as its own little area mm-hmm. and going and uncovering all of this stuff is, revelatory and punishing and dark, but it just keeps you coming back for more in a way that few other games have ever done. Um, I, I want to play bloodborne again right now. If they play, <laughs> yeah. if literally the out, I don't care that I don't have the platinum. The second that it gets passed <laughs> at 60 frames, I'm playing it again. It's, yeah. it's just almost, I mean, it's pretty perfect in my eyes. And you reference the challenge dungeons, like mm-hmm. the challenge dungeons don't offer much in terms of, the story or anything else, but it's just, it's just more Bloodborne. Yeah, it's one more Once thing. Once you beat Bloodborne, it's like, oh, I can just play more yeah. and do more things and fight new enemies. Uh, and then there are bosses that are completely unique to the Chalice Dungeons. That's true too, like, yeah. You want to play more Bloodborne once you've beaten Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you still want to play more Bloodborne sitting here talking about yep. it. Uh, my number two is God of War. Uh, this is a game we just talked about, obviously, but it... it to touch on everything that you already touched on, obviously. Uh, also, just the story, one of the best video game stories I've ever experienced. Uh, maybe the most video game characters in one game that I truly care about and connected with. Like, the fact that they make your... In most games, would just be a merchant. Mm-hmm. They make Brock and Sindri real characters that have, like, an ongoing storyline. Uh, the world is such a cool mix of, like fantasy and mythology and it's just such a vision of their own doing i've never seen a world exactly like uh the norse world of of god of war 
the the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, one of my favorite, you know, two character relationships in any video game ever. Uh, the fact that you as the player both learn to love Atreus, but then you're also just like fucking kids. The roller stop coaster being a kid. of emotions. Yeah. It's, it's so good. I, you know, neither of us are parents, but I assume that is a pretty equivalent thing of like when you're taking care of a kid, it's like could you just not do it that way? Could you just do it the right? Oh, all right. You're going to be your own person. Okay. Whatever. Um, and you know, feeling Kratos's pain of letting Atreus become, uh, let Atreus become his own person while still being there and being caring for him. All of this is real life stuff distilled into a game about a God fighting other gods. Like it is so preposterous how grounded this story is when you think about its setting, but yet it still works um, there's so much to do in this world too. Like there's so many little side quests. I think they call them favors in the game um, that you can just go and explore and find out little things. Like one of my favorite little moments is when you go to the guy who's been jumping around realms mm. and you go find like his stash and I won't spoil what's there, but it's such a cool moment of like, okay, there's a huge interconnectedness with all of these myths uh, and just the way it pulls in myth and creates its own. Um, the story is absolutely immaculate. We've already touched on the gameplay. A beautiful game. Still one of the best looking games you can play. Uh, the camera, the way the camera moves is amazing <laughs> yeah. where it never really separates. It never really cuts. Yeah. It's a one shot, quote unquote. Yeah. It, the entire game feels like one shot um, and it makes it adds to that cinematic quality. It is an absolute uh, just immaculate display of game making and storytelling. Uh, and just to note, like you travel to different realms in God of War mm-hmm. and I, there's like two realms that are like the sort of side side story realms or like yeah. side mission realms which is Muspelheim which is like the fire realm yeah. and Niflheim which is the like fog like uh, they created these whole other little areas that you just go and they have very they have unique stories yep. you have the trials of Niflheim and then you have um, I forget the Ivaldi's vault I think is what you're looking for sure, in Niflheim yeah. um and they both have Valkyrie fights. Like, ugh. Yeah. And the fact that they already have said that we get to explore all the realms in God of War 2 is just, yeah. oh, so exciting. So exciting. And we don't have to yeah, separate our entries discussion. for number one. Yeah. Uh, because our mutual number one, The Last of Us. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to see you talk first. Um, I mean, here's, here's what I'll say, and I don't want to... Because this was never really going to happen. Okay. This is the hardest Last of Us has ever had to fight to be my number one. I would agree. Totally. As I was reassessing my list, I was like, I do really love these other games. And they give it a run for its money. Yeah. But no game has ever told the degree of emotional story that The Last of Us has. Agreed. Which that's part A. Yep. I think it's a three-pronged, it's a <laughs> trident for me. Okay. No game has ever told that emotional of a story. Yeah. No game... Or it's among the same group of games that has ridden the line between suspense and, you know, just a good story action game. Yeah. And the multiplayer was kick-ass. <laughs> it was so good. As much as anybody, you know, it's not as anybody disliked it. It's just you didn't play it. Yeah, it's so underrated. Uh, and that's the three-pronged sword of why The Last of Us is so awesome. Yeah, you you and I both have the same connection to this game where, to me, it, it part of it is place and time. I mean, I mean if we had been... Maybe a few years younger, God of War could have been our last of us mm-hmm. in that way. You know, there have been games of of this quality since, but this was the first real game for me that made me think of games in a different way entirely. Of like, oh, 
games can not only be some of my favorite games, it can be some of my favorite media ever. Yeah. Like this is on the level of movies or shows or books or whatever. Like this is as emotionally tied to a character as I've ever been. Um, you know, Joel and Ellie's story is incredible. Uh, it, every moment in that game feels purposeful and direct and like it's adding to the story. It, it, you know, it is what, was like 12, 13 hours, something like that. But every hour feels as important as the next or the last. There is no real dips in uh, pacing or progress. Everything just informs the story in such a unique, interesting way. Every character you encounter with brings something else to the table. Like the relationship that Joel and Ellie have with Tess is very different than the relationship that Joel and Ellie have with Bill Mm -hmm. or any of the other characters. Uh, Like it is just, it is such a beautiful symphony of many stories coming together to create something bigger than the whole uh, could possibly be, or, or bigger than the sum of its parts, I should say. Like, it's... The overall story it tells is one of those reasons why this game is still incredibly popular on Twitch. Like, first playthroughs are still popular because people want to see people experiencing this game for the first mm-hmm. time because it's so special. Um, the gameplay is cool. It's, you know, the, the clickers or, you know, just uh, the cordyceps in general as an enemy type are so varied and weird and interesting clickers are one of the most interesting enemies I've ever played against in any video game ever. Just hearing that sound will still give you chills and it's still like, what the fuck do I do? Uh, yeah. I I mean, we've sung this praise. They're sung the praise of this game forever, but it's just so good. And interestingly, like, I mean, there are like film Oscar worthy, like level performances. It's that kind of caliber performance. Oh yeah. Troy Baker as Joel and Ashley Johnson as Ellie. Yeah. But to expand on that, because like, you know, uh, Chris Judge as Kratos in God of War. Yeah. Stellar performance. Uh, I forget the kid who played Atreus. Uh, Sonny Solfjic? Uh, and the ch- Something like that? Yeah. And like their performances are awesome. But there is a level of realism and nuance mm. to every performance in The Last of Us. Yeah. Tess's performance. Bill's performance. Uh Whatever Nolan North character's name is. Oh, crap. Phil? Paul? I feel like it starts with a P. I don't know why. Peter? (laughs) Keep going. I'm going to look it up. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. Uh, There's just... But to wrap that up, every performance in The Last of Us feels real, nuanced, personal. Yeah. uh, On a level that other games just do not put that level of you know, effort into their side characters, whereas The Last of Us did. Yes. Totally agree. David, David. does not start with a P. I don't know why. All very simple names. Take that lesson, Days Gone. And, and like, David is, like, chilling and, you know, just impersonal, not in, like, the bad way where, like, he is, he does not care about you. Like, he, like, you know, not to get too deep into it. Yeah, I will say, like, there are... I think something that we're hitting on is that there are characters in this game that could be worthy of in, in other games of their own entire plot. And they're like an hour or yeah. two in this game. There's like three or four of those. Yeah, I would that, argue. They're so well developed that you could spend a lot more time with them and want to learn more about them, but they're just, they're just markers on and, this journey. And Marlene and Tommy. Yeah. Like, uh, the, it's there's so many it's Sam. Like it's so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's almost like the best collection of short stories with this thread running through it. Yeah. Um, and it all boils down to a video game that's fun to play. Like, it's just, 
It's so fucking good. Yeah. Well, that's it. Again. We did it. And the, this is not a forever list. Sure. This yeah. list will it's change. Fluid. Part of me think this list will change within the next year. Like something will come oh, out yeah. that will disrupt our list and we'll play through these games again and something will change and we'll maybe readdress our list at some point or maybe give updates or whatever it may be. But for now, our top 25 games ever, you just heard them. Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead and say... My recommendation is merely, if I said a game that you haven't played, you should play it. Mm, that's you know? good. Which is yeah. a little bit of a cop-out, but I don't care. <laughs> See, my recommendation <laughs> was going to be make your own. Make your that's own top 25 one. That's list. also a good cop-out, but yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? We talked about so many games. It's yeah. like we recommended the entire podcast. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, no, seriously. like It's a really cool practice to really figure out. I mean, I love shit like this. I love Letterboxd and all that type of stuff. I love really getting to the nitty gritty of, okay, how do, you know, where do I rank this all time? Um, and it's really fun. You know, your list may vary wildly from ours. I'm sure it will. Uh, but we would love to hear it seriously yeah. if you want to share. Uh, but e- even if you don't share, like it's a really fun exercise to just get to me. All this has done is made me want to go play video games. And that's the thing. This is not an opportunity to be critical in a negative way. This is an opportunity to sing the praises of games that yeah. you love and want other people to know about. It's celebratory. Um, and it's it, all it does is make me more passionate about video games, and maybe it'll do the same for you. So hell yes, it's great. And on that note, we're back to run of the mill episode twenty six, whatever next week. <laughs> Nothing special for you. Episode we'll, twenty six. We'll get back around to fifty. We'll do some. We won't do our top fifty games of all time. That would be, be a lot. Eight hours. That'd be a lot. Uh, and you'd be a lot of the same things we just talked about. So. Very true. But we'll be back at you next week. Until then, we're tapping out.